Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Gavin Rutherford. I want to say it's Monday, but it's really not. It's Wednesday. It's July 5th. Hope everybody had a wonderful 4th of July. We did. Uh, until the fires showed up. It's early this year, too, and it's a little worrying. We, uh, here in the gorge, fires are always an issue. We had the big Eagle Creek fire several years ago. Started right here. We watched it where it originated. Uh, we've got pretty big fire 15 minutes away right now. It's burning all weekend. Just keeps getting bigger. The good news is yesterday the wind died down for the first time this year, I think. Uh, and it's really calm again today. That's a good sign. I don't think it's going to last, though. We're certainly known for wind here. And uh, we've had a lot of it. I was planning on getting out into the river this week, doing a little wing foiling. I probably still will, but um, the fires are certainly concerning. I don't think this one was started by a firework. The original report was that it was started by one of the a train going through the tunnel, but then they said they weren't sure, and then I haven't heard. Anyway, it's time to get back to work. I had a wonderful, relaxing four days off. Uh, ate a lot of good food, worked in the garden. Weather was perfect. A little hot, but nothing too bad. We have got a special guest. He hasn't been with us for almost a week, I think. It's been a while. Uh, Dr. Edward Griffin is back with us, so let's just jump right in and get him in here this morning. Dr. Griffin, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Um, uh, I'd like to it say... Seems like it's been forever since we've talked. I, I know. <laughs> I, I'd like to say that I'm really well-rested after four days off, but um, I did a lot of physical labor over the weekend, so now I need a break from my break. Exactly. I just came back from a uh, little family vacation, I guess, is I, um, I, I live in Florida, but I just spent the last uh, 10 days up near Buffalo and uh, the vacation that turned into working on my wife's aunt's house and then <laughs> doing a family party. Just was, it was, I'm ready to come back to work to get some rest. I know. I so, know. That's kind of how I'm you, feeling. And you were talking about the... And you're talking about the fire season that you have here. I was just in Buffalo and the smoke that's still coming oh, down yeah. from the Canadian fires. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of days where um, it's a little valley that we're near in uh, Warsaw, New York. And this little valley that you can usually see across, you can see the other side. And uh, there was a couple of days last week where you couldn't see the other side, which is only like two or three miles away. So it was kind of shocking, the amount of smoke. And I was blown away by the smell of the smoke is... It was very that very chemically plastic. I've smoke. been That's hearing not a that. wildfire. I've been hearing a lot of you know, that so, that people are noticing this is not trees burning. Exactly. I lived in Arizona for uh, almost twenty years, and the wildfires out there. I know what wildfire smoke smells like, and this is not wildfire smoke. Yeah, we're so really it blows me away. Is what familiar with it here? Yeah, what are gotta, they doing? Yeah, I've, we've got a haze yep. outside. I can smell it. We go through this every year. I mean, there's. There aren't many summers that go by that we don't have smoke in the area sometime. I mean, the West Coast lately always seems to be on fire. Yes, definitely. And like, like Arizona is always so dry. And so we used to have it, it, it's wildfire season. You're always ready for wildfire season and being careful about fires and stuff. So kind of shocking, though. But, yeah, it's completely a different smell and even a different feel the way that it hangs in the air, I feel like. Something weird so, is going on with that one. Exactly. And yeah. did, did, did you see the video about, uh, I think I saw it, I can't remember who sent it to me, but is it was a, uh, a satellite image of the fires starting. And it was funny because there was many different fires 
that started all within a very yeah, short time see, of each other, almost like that's, it was it, it, Something's it was wrong. Blowing. Yeah, something's really wrong. Yeah, that, fire doesn't happen naturally like that. No, no, it doesn't. So I know we have a, a product announcement today, but when you and I get together, there's all kinds of stuff I like to talk about. I saw a headline this morning and it, it kind of scrambled my brain. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal, but I, I, here was the headline. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. In a Wagovi world, do we really need Weight Watchers? My brain just almost froze up over that sentence. Well, no, we never needed Weight Watchers. We certainly don't need them now, but it's not because we have Wagovi. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. We don't need Weight Watchers. We just need to eat healthy. You know, is what, you know why are we talking about like weight loss medications and Weight Watchers? You know, we used to, why don't we, we need to go back to, we talk about like an ancestral diet and uh, many different people talk about like the keto diet and the ancestral diet. And you could talk, call it whatever you want, but eat real food. That's all it is. And I think I mentioned last week when we were on is at no point other than today, we have a higher caloric diet but lower nutrition than ever before in history. It's yeah. And it's mind blowing. We don't need weight watchers eat food. Don't eat chemicals, eat food. And that's the simple, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, that's people ask me all the time. And I, I really don't care what diet people follow. And I hate that word diet, by the way, is diet is not going on a fad diet. It's not, you know, changing your diet for two weeks to lose five pounds it's how you eat and your lifestyle is so important. So it's all about lifestyle and what you eat is your diet. So is, diet isn't a short-term fix. So it's just mind-blowing that people, it, it's become our vernacular that diet means a short-term weight loss. Right, right. When, when the word re, really everybody has a diet, every animal, every human diet just refers to what we eat. I mean, that's that's all the word originally meant. You know, it's kind of funny because lately and this, you know, you see people post pictures from the beach in the 1950s and 60s. And there really are no obese people. You can look around, you can't find them. There were obese people. They didn't go to the beach because they would really stand out. It would really be uncomfortable to be obese when, you know, 99 percent of the people aren't. Well, now it's almost the opposite. But. The other thing that's funny exactly. about that time, yeah. I remember um, Dr. Mercola saying he was one of the first people that started running for health, jogging. And he says it was so bad that when uh-huh. he ran through the suburbs, people would call the police. Why, why is this guy because running? He running from- he, he's yeah. running from, he just right. robbed somebody. Nobody ran. There weren't gyms on every right. corner. And that whole phenomenon of running and working out and going to gyms has done almost nothing for anybody's health. Right. And at that time, we also, we worked and that was our exercise is a lot of people had physical labor type jobs. So it wasn't sitting in an office all day. And then it was, there was more walking, there was more getting outside. And think about today is we sit behind a computer all day, or we sit with our phone all day, or we sit next to the TV all day. And it's like, I'm coming from an office right now where I'm sitting behind a computer for most of the day. So I purposely take breaks and walk around the building a few times a day just to get outside. You know, so it's it's crazy. And you talked about the the beaches in the 50s, 60s, 70s. 
I remember seeing this picture and I think it is early seventies and it's a California beach and it showed 1970s and showed the beach, the exact same beach in the 19, in the, in the 20 teens. So maybe 2015 or 16 and the way that people look, they look from healthy and athletic in the seventies to everybody being overweight. And it's just, it's mind blowing. We, we don't need the weight loss. We don't need the weight watchers. We need to go back to eating food. You know, let's, you know, we talk about root cause all the time is exactly. one thing that we need to talk right. about is we don't need a drug for it. We need, and this goes back. Uh, yeah, we don't need a drug for it is the first thing I talk to people about when they ask me about help. It's not about, well, oh, what do I take for this? Right. It's not about right. what do you take? What do you take away? Take out the garbage. Yes. Is, that's where you start. It's not about you know, adding in exercise. It's not about adding this. And even when it comes to exercise, 80-20, at least 80-20, 80% is your diet, 20% is the exercise. You know, so I, it's all about your getting in. And it, let's, we're on a trucking show. Let's talk about trucks. If you put crappy gas in your truck, it's not going to run well. If you put crappy food in your body, it's not going to run well. And that's what it comes down to. It really Our does. food keeps getting worse and worse. Yep. And we're not fixing anything. And drugs are not fixing the problem. It's about eating real food. It's going out into the garden. It's about living in nature. And it's about, it's that back to the wild kind of idea and back to nature and back to the ancestral type diets. You know, and the whole drug thing, it just keeps getting worse. They are they have no problem whatsoever admitting anymore that if we give you this drug for this symptom, it's very likely in a couple months we're going to have to give you another drug to take care of the symptoms the drug cost. That they just admit it now. It's not even a big deal to them. They now know right. that we exactly. have diseases or conditions or syndromes or whatever you want to call them that are caused solely by the medication. And then they have to, they, they yeah, created exactly a whole it. new drug for that problem. It, it's so out of control. But, but that is big business. Is yeah, you create is. the problem so you can create a solution that creates another problem that creates another solution. And you get in this whole cycle. And that's what we have bought into. Instead of taking the time to exercise a little bit, to take care of yourself, it's what pill can I take for this? Because I'm too well, lazy. And we're the instant gratification generation now. Yeah, we are. Everybody wants it now. Is so, and, and this is something I tell people oftentimes when I'm talking is, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? I think I told you this before, is when is the best time to plant a tree? And people always tell me, well, springtime is the best time to plant a tree. I'm like, <laughs> no, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Yeah, right, right. And let me correct them, and by the way. The, Most trees would actually do much mm -hmm. better if you planted them in the fall, not the spring. I agree. Because then you get the, you know, you, you get the rest and then it grows in right. the spring. Right. right. But yeah, most people are like, yeah, you plant it in the spring. I'm like, no, no, it's you plant it 20 years ago. So you've got a big tree, not a little tree. Right. When's the best time to take care of your health? 20 years ago. Yeah. It's not taking. And then when's the second best time to plant a tree? Right now. Yes. You not can't tomorrow. Plant it yesterday. Plant not, it right now. And not, not tomorrow. Not plant next Monday. Not not I'll, exactly. I'll start eating better when I fig, finish this case of Doritos that I bought on sale. No, just throw them away. Right. You'd be yep. far better off. Exactly. Don't, don't even yep. donate throw them. Because we, we don't want anybody eating that stuff. Exactly. And now, same thing with the tree is, 
when's the best time to take care of health is 20 years ago, but when's the second best time is right now. Right now. It's not waiting right. until right. Uh, I'm going to start a diet next Monday or, oh, after my birthday, I'm going to start the diet <laughs> or after this, I'm going to start. No, you know what? When's the best time to quit right. smoking right now? There's yeah. never a good time to quit smoking. Do you know, it those, now it's not going to get easier. Tomorrow. <laughs> I forget who said this. It was one of those guys like Dennis Waitley, or I used to listen to all those uh, seminars on tape, but um, one of them had a thing. All of those people you're talking about, they all end up on an island it's called Someday Isle. Uh -huh. Exactly. Someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. <laughs> Someday Isle. Here's, right. you know, here's something else I noticed. I, I've taken a big, big break from the news. I was for a while there. I was just constantly in the news. I thought I needed to be informed because of what I do. But the, the news I've determined is a lot like soap operas you mean, on TV. You can you can take you a break. Yeah, exactly. You can take a break for three years from a soap opera, go back. It's like you never missed a day. The news is kind of the same thing I've noticed. I can take a break for a week, not watch yeah. it at all. I turn it on. It's just like it was the last time I watched it. But I noticed in headlines, I tend to read a lot more news than I watch, but um, I'm seeing a lot of hit pieces on carnivore now. Uh, we went through this with keto, uh -huh. and I have to say, our experience here, I believe that human beings could be healthy on any real food diet. And, and real food, I mean things that Agreed. don't have to be processed, that we can eat right off the plant, you know, I'm not big on grains and I just don't think we need them as humans. I don't think they add anything to our health at all. Um, but what we've found, and, and possibly it's because of our population that we work with, um, the statistics for truck drivers are horrible compared to the general population, which those statistics are horrible. But in trucking, we have almost right. double the incidence of type 2 diabetes. That one statistic alone should tell you how bad it really is. Yeah. Um, we still have a well, huge- The sedentary of, lifestyle? Yeah, that, the food deserts. I mean, we go through this all the time. The, the constant food deserts, the sedentary lifestyle. The, yep. the interrupted sleep patterns, the fumes, the diesel fuel, the, uh, just we go through the whole lifestyle. It's just horrible for your health. Because of that, I think right. we have found success with what other people just consider completely extreme, like carnivore and keto. Um, you know, we really push mm -hmm. nutrient density in both of these diets. We focus on seafood and organ meats and high quality and eggs, and we find lots of success. And ultimately we find if somebody does this long enough, and I'm probably a good example of this, I can now eat a much wider variety of food if I choose to and not have any real side effects from it. Surprisingly enough, I, right. I, my diet kind of gets smaller and smaller all the time and I get healthier and healthier and I feel better. So it works for me. But the hit piece, I saw several of them today on carnivore. And here are the headlines. Professional dietitians determine carnivores the most dangerous diet ever. Really? I'd love to talk to one of these people about how dangerous it is. And they actually made the claim, it fixes nothing. Oh, please, I, I will give you a list of the things we fix every day eating like this. And they, oh, and people right. end up with such horrible digestive issues. 
Yeah, there's a little bit of that, but we can solve that pretty quickly. We always do. And we let people know, look, you got to focus on nutrient density, but we find the more animal products people eat, the healthier they get quickly. And it does fix exactly. things. It, it absolutely fixes things. And, you know, all these headlines, I also saw um, Nina Teicholz. She's been on our show before. I just love her stuff. Um, she posted today, and I don't know why this is surprising to me. It shouldn't be. But type 2 diabetes, the cost of type 2 diabetes, $1 billion a day. A, a day. I believe that. And. It is completely mm-hmm. avoidable. We're talking about type two here. I believe type one West- is too, but type two yep. is completely avoidable. It's a Western diet and lifestyle disease, and it's completely treatable, completely curable at that point. But let's go back to your talk about uh, is that the carnivore diet doesn't fix things. Name one drug that actually oh, fixes yeah. something. Oh, that, there, there is- can you name one drug that actually fixes I think I can. It doesn't have any side effects. Oh, no, no. And and the one class of drugs I'm thinking of, we have horribly abused. But don't don't antibiotics kind of fix the core, the root problem? Well, sort of. Our immune system should be doing that. But our immune system should be doing it. But antibiotics actually kill indiscriminately. Oh, true. Right. That's the problem is you're killing. You're not only killing the bad bacteria. I mean, I'm not saying antibiotics are bad. Is they're yeah. a great tool when you need it, but we've overabused them oh, and overused them because we're killing yeah. off the natural. Yeah, and that's where we can talk about biodiversity of the gut microbiome. Is that so important? Is this biodiversity? But antibiotics are killing off the microbiome biodiversity. That's the problem. But yeah, none of the drugs fix the problem they kill something or they change something. They alter the chemical uh, nature of the body, the biochemistry of the body. And now also that those dietitians that say the carnivore doesn't fix, tell me how the food pyramid fixed the standard American <laughs> diet. From We just talked about from the 1970s to the 1920s that the dietitians, these registered dietitians, these professional dietitians that teach the same crap that is based on Ansel Keys' misinformed research. The food pyramid is completely wrong. It is. It's not it upside is. down. Yeah. Talk, it, how does? Yeah. When we're, to, when we're talking about all the grains and everything that's in the base of the food pyramid, why are they in the base of the food pyramid? Because they're cheap. They last they're long. Easy to store right. and they ship and they <laughs> right. last long. That's yeah, it. That, you're right. That is the that's whole it. reason. Well, and because of yeah. that, they're very profitable. So I'm a naturopathic doctor and learned a lot of nutrition in my medical studies. And um, I had some health issues and uh, went to the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm, I, I love the Phoenix Mayo Clinic. They help me a lot, but I also think they're absolutely awful sometimes too, because they're just, they're the same drug dealers. I mean, doctors that everybody else are. And, but as a naturopath, they sent me to their dietitian and the dietitian gave me the plan. And I looked at the dietitian and I just kind of laughed and I told them what I did for a living and told them that it was completely wrong. And they're like, well, this is what we're told to tell you. And I'm like, that's exactly it. You're not thinking, you're not eating real food. You need to change your way of thinking. You've been indoctrinated as a dietitian, as a nutritionist, the same way that the doctors have been indoctrinated into 
pharmacology. It's, it's not health model. It's a pharmacological model. So it's about money. It's not about health. Go back to eating real food. Go back to eating naturally. Go back to our ancestral diet. Go back to working outside, gardening, the grounding of gardening, the playing in the dirt of gardening, the being exposed to bacteria that are healthy for us. Um, the, we, um, is it a garden of life was based on his, uh, Jordan Rubin's garden of life. When he created the, he cured himself of, um, ulcerative colitis using what he called soil based organisms. You know what those are? It's bacteria from your dirt. We're supposed to eat dirt. Uh, who was it? Josh, was it Josh Axe that wrote the book, eat dirt is we're supposed to eat dirt. I grew up in the, yeah, I grew, I grew up in the country. It's like, I'm a country boy. I played in the dirt. I pet animals. I believe my immune system is stronger than kids that grow up in the city because we're exposed to bacteria. We're exposed to these things and we build up our immune system. Uh, There's studies showing that kids that grow up in the city have a higher rates of asthma, have a higher rates of allergies because they're not exposed to it as children. So your body doesn't develop the immunity. You know, it's funny about this topic. When I bring this up, the whole eat dirt, there's the other side of this too. People don't get too weird about that, but the other side of it is stop hyper sanitizing everything. You don't need to wash your hands all day with, with soap. Soap didn't exist when we were hunter gatherers. How did we survive without all these disinfectant products? We now disinfect everything and it's a horrible idea, but people freak out when I, oh, you nasty, what do you mean? You don't wash? What? They just lose their mind over this topic. Right. Well, the whole antibacterial soap and the antibacterial sprays and the alcohol-based sanitizers, think about how much of those chemicals you're actually absorbing in your exactly. skin, too, oh, on top of awful. that. Right. So all these, this chemical, and now, now you're sensitizing yourself even more. But let's go back. Uh, this, it's kind of funny how this all ties back together. But let's go back to the antibiotics for a minute there. Is, and this goes into germ theory and terrain theory is that why, you know, we give antibiotics all of this credit for stopping a lot of disease. But you know what else happened about the same time that we started talking about antibiotics? We started washing hands. We started using oh, yeah. universal precautions right. a little more. And so- washing hands. I, I believe that washing hands in hospitals has oh. done more than antibiotic use. Well, the one story and I remember so it, reading that, that they actually, it might have been one of the first times they started putting this together. They had doctors who were performing autopsies on dead people, obviously, would, and then they'd walk over and deliver and a baby. Go, Exactly. Go right from, you know, a, a dead body to delivering a baby. Right. Of course there's bacterial yeah. contamination. Yeah, I, I get how, it. How about you but, wash your hands? In right. In a yeah. setting like that, well, I, we do I need believe- to. But in everyday settings, just because our hands, you know, I'm yeah. out in the garden and my hands are like very, very dirty. And I'll reach over and grab something off of a plant and eat it. It's, that's just. Oh, there, exactly. There's I nothing love out there that's going to hurt me. And you ready for this one? God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. I, I love that. I've been saying that for years is God made dirt, dirt don't hurt. So is 
We're supposed to be exposed to these things. We're supposed to build up our immune system. I mean, yes, there's a time and a place for an antibiotic. Yes, there's a time and a place for all of these things. I'm not preaching anti-antibiotics, but there is a time and a place, and we've overused them. And same with like the opioid epidemic. We can talk about that too. Is There is a time and a place to use an opioid medication, but it doesn't fix the problem. So is using using it as a tool and not as a solution. So yeah, so fix the problem. Let, let's talk about the opioid thing. I've been pretty fascinated with this. I've followed it for a couple decades. Um, have you either read the book or watched, the, they did a really good document. Well, it wasn't a documentary, it was a movie. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the, the um, actor that's in it too. He's really good. And he actually had a problem with opioids. That's why he did this movie. Uh, it's called Dope Sick. I've heard of it. I've never seen if, it or read about it. If you're interested in this topic, you got to go watch it because it really kind of chronicles okay. how this got started. It, it really is all about the Purdue family, Purdue Pharma and the Sacklers, not the Purdue family, but the Sacklers and Purdue Pharma and um, really kind of goes back and documents this. And it's an interesting story. It's set in, in like West Virginia coal mining, which is the, one of the first areas that got hit really bad with this. And the doctor really tries not to prescribe this. You know, the salespeople keep coming out saying, no, it, we, we now know that opioids aren't addictive. And that was their big push. Is, and a lot of doctors were afraid of the addiction to this, and they should have been. They were only really prescribing right. strong opioids for end-of-life issues where, you know, at that point, if somebody gets addicted, exactly. big deal, they're going to die. We know they're going to die. We're just going to make them comfortable. And he, you, you watch right. the sales and you watch the, the meetings where they train these salespeople. And then he keeps coming out to this doctor. And finally, the doctor gives in. And he starts prescribing the Oxycontin and starts taking it himself because he had an injury. And he becomes horribly addicted, loses his license, the, the whole, and, and it's a true story. Um, I, I've read the book and watched the movie. Really interesting, though. Here's, here's the crazy thing. Um, we now kill, what, a hundred and some thousand people a year with opioids, right? It's a horrible number. Uh, At least. I would say it's higher than that. Uh, yeah, probably by the time the statistics catch up, I have a feeling it is going to be much worse with the fentanyl over the last couple of years. Uh, this all comes back. I, I, this is so crazy. This comes back to one paragraph that was written by a doctor and taken so out of context. And I, it's hard to believe that this is the thing that caused all of this, but it, it really seems like it was. There was. There was a very small study done in a hospital and the claim was that opioids cause addiction in less than 1% of users, but, and, and they, Purdue Pharma grabbed that paragraph and spread it everywhere and trained all of their salespeople on that. Well, it turns out it was a really small study. And what they were showing was in a hospital setting, well, of course, if you're just coming out in of surgery and they give you opioids, that's yeah. that's not a bad use for it. It really they really do work well. And short term, then your body takes over. The pain's not that bad after a week or so. You can use something a lot less strong. But that was the claim that they used 
to convince all these doctors that you don't have to worry about addiction with this. We've proven it. Look, here's the proof. Well, there was no proof there, none whatsoever. It wasn't even the same scenario. And yet that one paragraph just exploded. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, completely out of context. And that 1% in short-term use in hospital settings is the addiction rate is 1% in short-term use hospital settings, not in long-term use prescribing and just dumping these things out there. Yeah. People are going to get addicted. Uh, It's like anything else, like heroin, like cocaine, like any illegal drugs that we have, that there is a high addiction rate uh, and they're dangerous. How can, I I don't get the 1% and I understand is short-term use in hospitals is what the study was. And think about this. It's like all the other studies that are taken out of context too, is, you know, when Monsanto says that their, you know, GMOs are safe. Well, in a 60 to 90 day study, (laughs) how about the 120 day study? How about the 10 year study that every rat got cancer? They don't talk about that part of it. They say it's safe. Yeah. For 60 days. You know what? I I can eat small amounts of arsenic for 60 days and be alive. Yeah. But doesn't mean I'm going to be healthy. How did they ever manage to start screw? I mean, people, I get in more arguments about GMOs and it's almost always somebody with an agricultural background. And the, the, yeah. the misunderstanding of this is shocking. They will make the comparison, but we've been doing that for centuries. No, we haven't. What have we been? Oh, we, we crossbreed no. plant. No, hold on. Stop right there. Yes. Hybridization <sighs> and crossbreeding is different than genetically modified. So different. So different. Yet the, the people mostly with an agricultural background seem to be the most confused about this. We are taking it. Right. Crossbreeding, hybridization happens in nature every day. That that's not a big deal. Now, right. we could eat, we've taken it to an extreme where it is kind of a big deal. Think about our fruit today, right? Fruit never existed like it does today. Uh-huh. There was never a banana ever right. that existed like the, the Cavendish banana we have today that is soft and sweet. And uh, that didn't exist. Right. They were... Well, the same with, we, we talked about grains earlier, the right. same with our grains. Is right. We have hybridized and we've crossbred to get sweeter, bigger yield, and even right. grains. The grains, uh, it's natural. Those are the seeds of the plant to reproduce, right. but right. we've grown them so that they have bigger seeds but, to get what we want out of them. Yeah, so, so that's one issue, and we've even bastardized that process. Even though it's natural and it can occur in nature, we've really kind of screwed it up in a lot of ways, but it doesn't even come close to what GMOs are. How did we get to the point where you can splice a gene out of a frog into a wheat plant or a corn plant, and they don't even have to tell us that they've done it? We have no way of knowing unless you really go dig deep. We have no way of knowing that this has even happened. How did they get away with that? Uh, I I think it's just people want something easier. And it's, I talk about this with foods all the time is how about a a tomato? I always go back to tomatoes is an heirloom tomato is so amazing tasting but we want things to be uniform, to all look the same. How about our eggs? We want our eggs to be all the same color. And well, the only way to make them all the same color is to bleach them all, yeah. right? Is <laughs> right. If, you get, 
different chickens lay different colored eggs. Different tomatoes, different breeds grow different colors. We got different colored peppers. Why can't we have different colored tomatoes? Yeah. We want a perfectly round, this size, this shape tomato. We don't want any bumps or lumps or anything like that. We want it to look pretty. Well, it, we're sacrificing our flavor. We're sacrificing nutrition for this perfect looking tomato. Yeah, put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. You know, it's, yeah. you, know, it's, 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 it, you know, we're dressing up our food to make it look pretty. I want the thing no. to taste good. I yeah. don't care what it looks like. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's funny that we always go to the tomato. I always did, too, because we've all experienced it. You know, especially people mm-hmm. my age, I think. Uh, we grew up where it was more common for people to have gardens. You know, I, I grew up in a small Definitely. neighborhood, 13 houses kind of out in the country. And, and it was very common for people to have gardens. And we would eat stuff right out of the garden. And we, I think we all remember that warm tomato that you picked off the plant, ate it like an yep. apple. It was so good. And then we go to the grocery store and we see these beautiful uniform tomatoes and they are just awful. There's no taste. The texture is just nasty. I, I don't know why any, but I won't even eat one of those tomatoes. They're not worth eating. And so, you know, I have a garden and I grow a lot of tomatoes and they're amazing. But here's the thing that I'm really finding everything that comes out of the garden, everything tastes better than anything I can buy in any store. I don't care if it's the flagship Whole Foods store, the stuff coming out of the garden still tastes better. Yeah. Well, part of that has to do with also the transportation issue, because as soon as you pull it out of the ground, it starts losing nutrition. So not only are they spraying things to get a longer life out of it, but it's also losing nutrition. So think about that that carrot, that tomato that you're picking in the Midwest and then shipping to either California or to shipping to New York or wherever you're shipping it to, while it's on that truck, how long has it been on the truck? How long then does it sit in the store that it's losing nutrition and losing flavor? So, you know, picking it right out of the garden and eating it, oh my gosh, we have a little garden here at work. We've got some peppers and some tomatoes. And the other day I was walking out in the garden with a couple of people and there was a tomato that was ready and I just picked it right off and ate it right there. And they're like, oh, aren't you going to wash that? No, like, no, it grew no. out of the ground. It rained. It, it's been rinsed. It's good. It, I'm going to eat it. I want the dirt. I want those bacteria. I want that. That's good and, for you. And we're used to washing our vegetables because of pesticide residue and all the other crap they put on it. I don't need to wash mine. Exactly. There's never, ever been anything on this plant that I can't put in my mouth. So why do I need to right. wash and anything? That's true. Yep. Yeah, it's, there's nothing that's ever yeah, been then, put anywhere on this ground on the plant that I that I wouldn't eat. Exactly. And that should go the same way for your skin is putting things on your body. Think about like uh, shampoos and body, any body washes. That's, you should never put something on your body that you're not willing to put in your mouth. That's our new push. Uh, because it's our body, our skin is absorbing everything. And think I, about, let's talk about hair for a minute. I mean, I'm a bald guy, so but let's talk about too. hair. Is all the, all the shampoos, all the chemicals, the dyes, everything that you put for hair products, but think about the, how vascular your scalp is. Ever cut your head? Oh. How much it bleeds? It's because because <laughs> the vessels well, are so close to the surface. Bald guys are very familiar with that. Those vessels are also, exactly. <laughs> but all of those 
things that get absorbed right there in your head. How about people with migraines? Well, what shampoo are you using? What are you absorbing right there into your head? You know, it's it's mind blowing how many things we put on and think about sunscreens too is another big one is people put on sunscreens, but how many chemicals are in there? You know, we can talk about the phthalates and the parabens and all of those chemicals. But, I mean, if you're not willing to put it in your mouth, you shouldn't be putting it in your body. So, so you know, we, we've on your body. been working on diet for a lot of years. And about a year ago, we, we started thinking, okay, it's really time to start working on this issue. Household cleaners also. Think of all the cleaners you expose. Oh, yeah. And you know what I've found is a really, really powerful cleaner for a lot of things. It's completely natural. There's a, a company that makes like concentrated vinegars. They're amazing yep. for cleaning, like 30% acidic vinegar. It The stuff is yep. potent, but it's completely natural. All we've done is concentrate, you know, the same stuff we're drinking. I, I'll, I'll eat and drink vinegar right. all day long. We just concentrate it and it becomes an awesome cleaner. It can replace five of those toxic, horrible, chemical-based cleaners that you're using, one for glass, one for this, one for that. Throw that stuff away, start using natural cleaners. Then we moved on to personal care products. We have an awesome dental line from Primal Life that I am just blown away by the results. Turns out the human body can actually heal cavities. We didn't know that and try to tell people that and they'll look at you like you've got three heads or um, they'll start to call you RFK Jr. Right. Well, you know, your teeth are just bones. Exactly. And we have these things called, you know, osteoclasts and osteoblasts that are always breaking down and building bone. So if you give the body what it needs to build bone, you can repair your teeth. Turns out. Take away the bacteria. Yeah. Take away the sugar. It comes down to bacteria. Get the bad bacteria out, get the good bacteria in your mouth, and your teeth actually start to heal cavities. Yeah, exactly. So talking about bacteria, let's talk about, uh, we'll get back to my company here for a minute, is we are actually working, so Sovereign Silver and Argentin 23 and Sovereign Copper, and uh, we are actually working with the IABDM, the International Academy of Biological Dental Medicine, Dentistry and Medicine. I always get the acronym wrong. Um, And we are doing a study, and it's called the Red Complex. Um, There are five bacteria that happen in your mouth that lead to systemic illness. So we're doing a study right now with the IABDM using our Gentin 23 to as a mouth rinse. So swishing and killing off those bacteria to stop the spread and the systemic. Uh, One of these bacteria causes heart issues. So, I mean, or actually many of these. Oh, actually, yeah. I got a little card right here. Let me pull up the Let me pull it up. I got it right here. Um, I'm not even going to try and, you know, butcher the names of these, but, uh, well, maybe I am. Aggregated bacteria actinomycetinomatomaton. <laughs> I'm sure I yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, you sound but, like me trying to say Do you know what things. this? Yeah, this, if, if I take my time, I can say them I know, usually, right. but sometimes they're awful. But the things that this causes, heart disease, ischemic Stroke, Alzheimer's, dementia, brain abscesses, aneurysms, alters the immune response, arterial plaques, oxidative stress, pregnancy complications, bone loss, increases dental decay, periodontal disease, and implant failure. Wow. Are all this aggregate bacteria all side effects? So 
silver, something that is in nature, again, going back to nature, can kill off this agrigobacter on top of the other five that are out there that I'm not even going to butcher the other names, um, but that cause things, not only mouthing. So think about like bad breath, halitosis. Think about, you know, dental cavities. Think about periodontal disease. It is all because of bacteria. Now, these five bacteria can go systemic and cause heart issues, can cause diabetes, you know, so many things, and very important. But we're showing in in dentistry, we're working with these dentists, that silver can actually kill off those bacteria. So just using it as an oral rinse. And actually, Health Canada actually um, says that silver can be used as a oral rinse. So Health Canada is like the FDA here in the United States. Let's talk about this, because when I first started studying nutrition, there was this kind of theme that runs through a lot of things, and it made sense. I'm not sure we got this right. And there are several examples of this. Um, melatonin was a big one. Yes, melatonin can help you sleep. Mm -hmm. You should be very careful about overusing melatonin because your body will stop producing its own. That kind of makes sense. There was this... Correct. There was this also this theme of, yes, things like oil of oregano or even coconut oil or, or silver, these things, they're, they're very powerful antibacterial, antifungal, anti a lot of things. Except you have to be careful because you're going to kill off all that good bacteria too. Well, that doesn't seem to be true though. Well, not really. Right. That's not true. And especially, you know, I can talk about our product specifically is our sovereign silver because of the size Sovereign Silver and Argentin 23, the size of the particles makes it the most effective. And you're also eliminating it, but it does not affect the biodiversity of the gut microbiome. So back to the antibiotic, uh, I often hear people say silver is nature's antibiotic. It's not an antibiotic. It is an antibacterial, but it kills off the pathogenic bacteria. So now think about this is... One of the important things, I talk about the four P's when it comes to silvers. So I'm, I'll talk specifically about silver. Purity, particle size, parts per million, and positive charge. That positive charge is what makes silver active. So the 98%, over 98% positive charge in our silver, that slight positive charge is drawn to the slight negative charge of most of the pathogenic bacteria. It's how it's killing off the pathogenic and not, ne not necessarily our positive beneficial bacteria. So not only that, but also most biofilms. This is where we talk about antibiotic resistance is bacterias have created biofilms as a protective mechanism. The biofilm also has a slight negative charge that draws the slight positive charge of the silver to, and the silver will go through the biofilm and kill the bacteria. So, I mean, there's so many things and misinformation about there is, no, silver's not gonna affect the gut microbiome diversity. So it's gonna, it's actually not like an antibiotic, but it is specifically targeting the bad guys and not the good guys. Because we can talk about the gut, the gut brain access even, and how important and the bacteria that are sending messages to our brain, for every one message that our brain sends to our gut, our GI tract, there's at least eight to 10 being sent back from the gut. So the bacteria are speaking to us. And I think we talked last week about 
that we are more bacterial DNA than we are actually human DNA. Yeah. With only about 23,000 gene sequences in the human, but some of these bacteria that have millions of genes. So it's, it's mind-blowing when you get into it and talking about it and how silver has, and we talk, let's go back to the drugs that we were just talking about and the side effects. Silver has side benefits because now we can talk about the healing and the regenerative effects that are involved with silver. So speeding up healing by up to a third and reducing scarring by up to 80%. So now this goes into, let's go back to diet again and talking about how many people have leaky gut syndrome? How many people have GI issues? More today than ever before. Yes. Well, let's now jump back to GMOs. How about glyphosate? And used, we, sorry, I'm bringing this up again. We've been talking no, about it. That's okay. The glyphosate, the glyphosate using, being used to desiccate the wheat. Glyphosate is an antibiotic, it's also a chelator. It kills things, it draws in minerals. Why do we have poorer health? We've drawn eating these Roundup Ready, these glyphosate-laden uh, grains is now affecting our GI tract, affecting everything. So it's this whole cyclical thing. It's hard to talk about one thing without not going on for you know an yeah, hour know. about how right. they're all interrelated. And everything that we've talked about so far today and last week is all interconnected. You know, and speaking it really of comes back to... Go ahead, finish that. It thing. really comes back to what we can absorb is we are what we eat, but we're not what we eat. We are what we absorb from what we eat. And then we're also, we are what we absorb from what we eat ate. Yeah, yeah, so what yeah, is yeah, being, right. what are, back to carnivore, is what are animals eating? Is that, it's not that, and it's not the cow, it's the how. It's not that beef is bad for us. It's what was that beef being fed? And I think I think you brought it up last week that, you know, or I heard this recently. I can't remember if it was you that told me, is that we have a calf that is fed this chemical concoction to make it fatter faster because we want to get that calf out to market. And we want we want the, you know, 800,000 pound cow, not the little baby calf. So we want them fat faster. But now everything that you're feeding it to make it fat faster is now making us right. fat faster. Right. Including Cows a were whole not, bunch of antibiotics. Yep. Exactly. To now we got them up. the beef that is now yet yeah, fatten them up and now the beef is antibiotic resistant. Any bacteria that gets into us is now antibiotic resistant and now we are perpetuating this cycle and this antibiotic resistance that we're just making our health, so, health worse and worse. So how about going back to healing up the GI tract is where we really start. And this goes back to eating real food. So, so if I we can't absorb it, we cannot do anything with it. So, so now we need to heal up the GI tract. And this is where silver can be beneficial at healing the GI tract while it's getting rid of the pathogens. Ah. So, so many aspects here yeah. and how this all comes back cyclical. And I so, feel like the broken record talking about no, silver all I, the time, but it's, I believe it, in product. I believe how amazing it can be. You know, I want to address that because, you know, we cover a lot of topics here. We, we try to cover the gamut, anything we could talk about to help people get healthy. And I try to learn as much as I can about each topic so that 
I can help. There is no way I'm ever going to have your knowledge. It, you've spent years accumulating that knowledge. And, and now, recently, a lot of knowledge about silver and copper and those kind of issues. Um, and then we'll bring on another right. guest that really, really has spent their entire life studying um, antibiotics and probiotics. And then I'll have somebody on who does nothing but fo focus on oxalates. And I, I think that's necessary. We need that kind of deep knowledge yeah. and understanding in, in each one of these areas. But it also brings me back to something else. Um, I, I know you've experienced this. I experience it all the time. And I just had this over the weekend. You and I, we're, we're on 50 minutes already without a break. And all we have done really is kind of scratch the surface of a whole bunch of topics. We haven't really gone deep right. into any of these things. And the average person doesn't need to go deep. They do need to trust. And that's part of the problem. We've been told so many things about our health for so many decades that are so wrong Nobody wants to believe anything anymore. And, and I get it. But here's what yeah. I experience. I, the advantage of me being on the air every single day talking about this stuff. And you said, you know, you sound like a broken record on silver. I sound like a broken record on everything. So I keep saying this stuff over and right. over. But I think that's the power of this show. You know, the people who have listened for a long time, they either decide they're going to get healthy. And if they do, they have a lot of knowledge. They've heard this stuff over and over and over and over. And I just had the opposite experience. I, I, I don't work with clients and patients. I, I, that's just, you know, Lauren does that for us in the company. And um, I will occasionally jump in on a really tough case, but not very often. But I'm always helping somebody, a family, a friend, an employee, you know, just kind of informal, not charging them, just trying to help them. And, and the thing that's hard for me is if they haven't heard this repetition, how hard it is to try to explain this stuff. I, I don't want to go too deep, but I, I've got to get them to understand. So I'm, I'm working with somebody who has been a type two diabetic for a couple of decades. Um, just like everybody else thought that there was nothing she could do. She mostly kind of takes her doctor's advice about eating and it isn't getting any better. It's been getting worse year after year. And there's always some new drug they want to add. And finally, I said, look, I, I can help you with this. You, you don't need any of those drugs. Just, just trust me on this. If you eat like this and she does, and the results right. were incredible, you know, brought her blood sugar down. She was constantly in the high 200s. And we got it down to where it belongs, you know, 80 to 120 almost all the time. And I got her to wear a continuous glucose monitor so she could see how all this affected it. And yesterday she came over and she said, I just can't believe it. And I said, what? And she scanned her monitor and her blood sugar was 230. And I said, what did you do? And she said, I ate a sandwich. I'm like, can you see the how bread. I, that's it? I, I yep. said, if you just would have thrown Arms, the bread, bread away, you would have been fine. Anything eat, else on that sandwich yeah, was probably meat, cheese fine. And vegetables. Right, right. And it, exactly. it's, it's, it's there in one sense, it's so simple if you just trust that this is right. But we've been so brainwashed yeah. and told so many things for so long that's so wrong. Nobody trusts anything anymore. And I get it. I understand why. Exactly. 
Well, and I think part of the thing about doing your show and what you do, which is absolutely amazing, and I really respect what you do, is awesome. And what I'm doing here and just talking like this, maybe one person hears it that hasn't heard it before. We mention a topic. You mentioned melatonin earlier. So maybe it's melatonin. They're like, oh, what is this melatonin? And then they go look it up. They, They do the deep dive. It's mentioning something. It's mentioning silver. It's mentioning copper and its benefits. It's mentioning selenium. Is you know, how, every drug that's ever been taken off the shelves by the FDA was also approved by the FDA. Has copper, any nutrition, ever been pulled or banned for causing people damage? No. I mean, are there the very few that can be hurt? Like copper. Yeah, there is copper. There is such a thing as copper toxicity. But do you know how rare it is? Yeah. Absolutely rare. In medical school, I was taught about Wilson's disease and to be afraid of copper. Why are we afraid of (laughs) copper? Wilson's disease is in like a 0.1% of the population. And and let's think about this. If if you walk into a crowd of people, you've got 15 people around you. How many diabetics are likely in that crowd? That's how common that is. Right. Right. But we hardly talk about that. Aren't we at like... Almost half the population is diabetic now. I think so. I think we're just under yeah. half. Yeah. It's a so, crazy yeah, number. Yeah, a crowd of 15 people, you've got seven diabetics there. That you but could help how many immediately. Right, right. But what good does it exactly. really do to, how, for how you many to Wilson's know about disease? Wilson's disease? Right. Yeah. Statistically, what are the chances any one of those 15 people has Wilson's disease? Right. None. <laughs> it, it's almost like 0. .00001. Yeah. So, and this is where we talk about is whatever we talk about on the show, if that one person, if that five people, that 10 people, whatever, hears it and goes and looks it up and does the deeper dive and thinks, wow, this is amazing. Knowledge is power. Not, it's not believing blindly. It's not the, oh, trust the science that people have been talking about. Science isn't about trust. Science is a process of questioning everything. Go out and find it for yourself. Find the proof. If you cannot prove that it works, it's not science. Yeah. If you cannot prove that it is effective, that is not science. And then, you know, back to even talking about the audience, it's not about doing the deep dive. It's about getting, it's, I, I was just talking to a, a coworker here uh, earlier today, and uh, I've done public speaking in the past, and I've actually taught public speaking. And one of the first things I tell people, do you know what the number one rule of public speaking is? Know your audience. Oh, yes. Who are you talking to? If you got to know who you're talking to, but also know where they're at. Now, meet somebody where they're at. Are you talking to somebody that's a kindergartner? You know what's surprising about this topic? Because I I do a lot of speaking. I've got a couple of speaking engagements I'm getting ready for right now. I do a lot of speaking. I get invited by other companies. As soon as I accept the offer, if I accept it, I ask for a list, a detailed list, if you have anything about the people who are attending. I'll take everything you've got. Uh, And then I take that list and I go look on places like LinkedIn. You know, what is this person's background? Uh I, I do this a lot and I get a, not pushback, but almost surprise. Like the people who I'm working with, I'll right. be like, can you give me a really detailed attendee list? Well, nobody ever asks for that. Really? How, how do you right. go? How do you stand up in front of a group of people and start talking and not know who they are or what they're there for, what they're interested exactly. in? 
Right. Yeah. What are their interests? What do they do? What do they know? Um, I, I taught in Phoenix at an ultrasound school for about four and a half years. And um, the first day of class, when I got a new class in, I spent a good hour on the first day of who are you? I'm going to tell you who I am. And I would throw something in like, oh, what's my favorite food? Or what's my favorite candy bar or whatever, something that I'd throw in there. But it's, I want to know who my audience is. And, you know, am I speaking to a somebody fresh out of high school going into ultrasound? Or am I speaking to somebody that's coming back from a career as a mechanic? Somebody that has spent years in elect- as an electrician, somebody that has been a nurse that's now doing ultrasound. What, where do you, where's the starting point? And then how can we reach everybody in the room? Is how do, and this is I talk about this with a lot of I'm going to call them experts. Call it whether it's a doctor, whether it is a college professor. These people have been studying what they do for decades sometimes. And they dumb it down for them, but it's not, you've got to bring somebody up with you. You can't talk down to them. Even if it's talking down for you, it might still be above their heads. How you reach somebody where they're at is you got to get to know them, know your audience. Who are we talking to? How do I, how do I speak to this person? Um, I, I just had a conversation earlier about a, I used the term neoplasm. Uh, A neoplasm literally means new growth. If you go back to the Latin and the basics of it is if you don't know what a neoplasm is, typically it's what they call a cancer is before you diagnose it as a cancer, it's a neoplasm. It's a new growth. But I use the word and then somebody's like, oh, what is that? I'm like, oh, I I forgot my number one rule is you got to know your audience, what level they're at is. Yeah, I, and I can, I think that's what actually made me a good teacher and what makes me a good educator is it's about finding out where they're yeah. at and reaching them at their level. Yeah. Uh, I just did a, uh, a training for, uh, on silver and copper last week, and all I got was a, was a doctor's name. I'm training doctor so-and-so's office. I'm like, okay, wh- what do I need to train them in? I could talk about silver and copper all day long, but are they a gynecologist? Are they a you know GI specialist? Are they a dentist? Who are they? How is silver and copper going to reach them? So if I need to know what type of person I'm talking to. I don't care if they're a doctor. Are they a PhD doctor? Are they an MD doctor? Are they an ND doctor? Are they yeah. what's their doctorate in? Right. They <laughs> might not know anything about it. Is doesn't matter what your title is. Is what do you actually know about what I'm talking about? And that's my number two rule about public speaking is always be the smartest person in the room on your topic. Know what you're talking about and know who your audience is because you got to be ready for the questions. You're never going to be the smartest person, period, on your right, topic. Right. But be the smartest person for that audience. You need to know more than your audience does. Yeah. So very important, all these things. And kind of interesting, same with kind of what you do is who's your audience? You have to be one step ahead of your audience. You know, otherwise you'll be listening. Just like you did now with doctors. Um, Most of my speaking, 90 plus percent of it is in the trucking industry itself. So when I say, well, I want to know who's going to be in the audience and they'll say, well, it's trucking people. You know, we have drivers. I, I know. 
I want to know specifically right. uh, details. Are they owner operators? Right. Do they own a small fleet? What's their history? How long have they been doing this? I don't want to know that they're just in the right. trucking industry. I know that. Or what, is, it what second, detail? is it a second career? Right, right. Is it it's, a second career that yeah. they came back to after being, you know, something else for, you know, a decade or two and they wanted to change their mind or they thought they always wanted to drive a truck and that's what they decided to do. There you go. You know, uh, I know I, I know teachers that have retired and gone back to something like trucking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, military. Kind of pub, we public get a, service job. You know, people mm-hmm. spend 20 years in the military, retire, and they're 40. I mean, they need a career and uh, trucking is right. a pretty good one for a lot of them. You know, I can't believe I'm looking at the clock. We blew through that whole hour. Um, let's talk about what we were supposed to talk about today. Um, (laughs) Once in a while, we have to get down to business. You and I could talk like this all day long, and I I think it's valuable. But uh, every once in a while, we got to get down to business. And this is exciting stuff, too. So um, what are we supposed to be talking about today? So what we're talking about today is so the natural healing gel that we are launching. So um, in the past, we've had this topical first aid gel. Um, but what we found out is that there are so many uses for silver and here back to that broken record in the silver again, there are so many uses for silver that it's not only a first aid gel, we wanted to make a natural healing gel. So we've got it in this new uh, easy to squeeze tube for everyday use. So think about having that in your bathroom and using it for all kinds of things for like, how about using it after shaving those minor little cuts that help heal up. Uh, help uh, reduce the bleeding. So things like that. How about razor burn? Um, how about uh, tattoos? Somebody after getting a tattoo. We're t- speaking to hey, the trucking industry. There's speak, a lot of tattoos. Speaking of which, one yes. of the me- you brought up tattoos. One of the measurements. Um, so I'm pretty big on vitamin D. You know, keeping that level. I'd like to keep mine between eighty and a hundred. It seems to be where I feel really good. Don't have any negative side effects. Seem to get a lot of benefits. So. Yep. I, and I talk about this all the time, um, for the last couple of years, I've just had a home vitamin D and CRP test. I just have it shipped to me every quarter. It's on a subscription because with the changing seasons and the amount of sun exposure I'm getting, I try to really dial in how much I need to supplement the vitamin D. And because they offered this combined test with CRP, I thought, well, it's not a bad idea to monitor, you know, CRP as well. So we do quite a bit of that. And we had somebody doing the same thing, monitoring their vitamin D and CRP, and they did it right after they got a tattoo. Their CRP went Uh through the roof. Well, CRP is not a very specific test. Right. Uh, right. It's it's measuring inflammation. So CRP is going to be high if you've got a crappy diet and you're inflamed. It, right. So and this was somebody so that CRP, had a really clean diet and had very low okay. CRP readings historically. And then all of a sudden, and then the, the tat- they had this really yep. high the tattoo would have been adding. Yes. Yep. Inflammation. The tattoo would have been adding that ink and that inflammation. Right. And so the CRP is going to go up to show that the inflammation is happening. Inflammation isn't bad. Inflammation yeah. is your body's natural protective system. That something is wrong, something harmed has happened. Inflammation is bad when it is chronic, chronic and right. consistent and it never goes away. So that's where inflammation is bad. Inflammation is normal. 
Think about a cut. If you cut yourself, inflammation is good. You want swelling because you want to stop the bleeding. You want to squeeze that wound back together. You want to squeeze the vessels to stop the bleeding. Yeah. So that's part of the body's natural reactive system. But it's when that inflammation continues and is constant that it becomes bad. And so this is, you know, silver and copper can both support the inflammation and a healthy inflammatory pathway as in reducing the inflammation. So, yeah. So back to the tattoos and the high inflammation is silver is going to help with that healing process. So it helps to heal up because you're causing micro abrasions. You're poking the skin millions of times with a needle as you are getting a tattoo. So yeah, you're stabbing yourself millions of times getting a tattoo. Silver is going to be beneficial at healing that up. So think about, you know, tattoos and back to trucks again. How about the sunburn that you get if you're driving, you know, one direction, you're on a route and you got sun on your one arm. How about for sunburns? Silver is amazing for burns. Uh, I actually witnessed this. Uh, I got married just over a year ago, and my sister was with us. And on the, I got married on Virginia Beach. We got married in the morning at sunrise and then spent the day at the beach. My sister got sunburned. I had silver with me, and I sprayed her up and down with it. Oh. It's cooling. Yes. It's relieving. She was able to sleep that night, and literally overnight, that sunburn faded and was just tanned right over. Yeah. So there's so many beneficial side effects. Now, again, think about it, the natural healing gel for everyday use. Uh, this has been, it's brand new in this easy-to-use tube. We've had complaints about the uh, the glass bottles with the first aid gel, that little bit in the bottom that you can't get oh, to. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, um, in the colder climates, that the glass bottles, uh, it's best to have things in glass, but glass breaks when you're shipping to colder climates. So it's great to have it in this tube. Uh, it's going to be HDPE, high-density propyl ethylene, which is the second best as opposed to glass. Think about bug bites. Think about razor burn. Think about sunburn. Think about waxing, tattoos I talked about. So all of these little things that can be beneficial. We actually just had a, um, a dermatologist or uh, she's an esthetician, not a dermatologist, that came into our office, and she does microneedling for skin, so for facials. And we're using this in her facials, oh, yeah. and it decreases the redness, and it helps with the healing. And, yeah, so it, there's so many uses. And this is why we came out with this product, too, is instead of just a first aid gel, there are so many multitude of uses for silver on a daily basis that – why don't we have it an everyday for yeah. topical use? And that's what we came up with our natural healing gel skincare. You know, I, I <laughs> love that. And, you know, the silver and the copper is fairly new for us. Just brought it in recently. It's been a huge hit and the feedback has just been incredible. And, and we do, I do a ton of testing here. I pay attention to stuff all the time. Uh, both my wife and I have been eating this way for eight or nine years now. Uh, And you clearly see the benefits. You know, you don't get sick. Your body heals quickly. Wounds, cuts, both of us heal pretty quickly. Uh, Lisa got a really nasty, big scrape on her shin uh, a couple weeks ago. I mean, just took off a big area of skin fairly deep. And it's right down by her ankle. And, you know, you see people who have a hard time healing wounds low on their leg. It's always a bad sign. Yep. Uh, and both of us Definitely. would heal that pretty quickly anyway. And I said, you know, that one's pretty bad. You should probably put the, the silver gel on that. 
I was blown away by how fast. Now, even though both of us have good, strong immune systems, you get a, a wound like that, you immediately start to see some infection, some redness around the edges. That never right. happened. You know, she put the silver on it right from the start. Never happened. It never got really inflamed or looked like that. It just immediately started healing. And the healing was just incredible. On top of, you know, she heals really well anyway because she's healthy. She's got a good, strong immune system, but nothing like this. I mean, I, I really haven't right. seen a wound that bad heal so fast before. And in a really yeah. bad oh, place. And think right. of Exactly. Really bad place. And now we've had people at work. So we've been testing it here at work for, you know, the last several months is I've had people, you know, a little cat scratch that heals almost overnight. Right. Um, Another story to tell about is um, my wife's aunt came down to visit us in Florida for vacation. And uh, we were sitting by the pool and I saw her leg about a month prior to her coming down. She dropped a pan of lasagna right out of the oven, the Pyrex shattered, and it splashed up on her right leg. And she had a patch that was probably about six inches around that was just very, um, very infected looking and very red. It happened a month prior. She hadn't been taking care of it. She'd been wearing pants. It'd been sticking to it. Um, I think she had a nurse look at it and do treatment once, but this thing was still very purulent when I saw it. Yeah. I started spraying the silver. I did the fine mist spray and the topical gel. And within a week's time, no, she had it for a month before I saw this, but within a week's time, it was almost completely healed. I believe it. Silver gel. So it it just, it blew me away. And like, I do this for a living and I talk to people about it and- I saw it happen firsthand and I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is amazing. It's another story that I can tell people about how quickly it healed. But like literally overnight, I saw improvement. Yes. And yep. then within a week's time when I, when I saw her, it, you know, we had basically completely healed this leg up in a week's time. And she had it a month prior that it didn't heal. So very amazing. And like I said, it speeds healing time by up to a third and then decreases the scarring afterwards. So think about that when we're talking about anything on the face. How about after a surgery using silver gel? Oh yeah. But even simple, the daily use about, you know, the shaving, those little things, how about shaving around the knees or shaving around the chin where you nick the same spot every time, you know, it's uh, how do we ease the scarring and minimize that scarring? So as well as reducing redness. So it's, You know what surprised me about this? You know, at first, and I've talked about this before, I was skeptical of the whole silver thing. I had never really even heard of using copper this way, but the silver thing I had heard of before, um, and I was very skeptical because it's been around a long time, the idea of silver, but I've never really seen it be all that effective. So I, I was skeptical. Had it not been Dr. Wolfson that was introducing me to it, I probably just would have moved on. Yep. Um, but I trusted him a lot. Yeah, a lot of, and so I exactly. thought a lot of people actually hear about it and just move on. So. I, I probably would have had it not been from somebody I really trusted and respected, but because it was, I thought I, I need to listen to this. But in my mind, 
this still, if you prove to me this works, it was still this really specialty kind of thing that I was only going to use in these certain cases. And turns out it's the exact opposite. I, now we're talking about, you know, right. everyday use of this. And I, I that's not what I expected, exactly. but, I, but I'm seeing it be so effective on everyday things. Well, I think, and the really important thing that I want to talk about right here while we're talking about this, and Dr. Wolfson, Dr. Wolfson uses our product. So Sovereign Silver, Argentin 23, same product, uh, it's different concentrations. So Sovereign Silver is a 10 part per million, and Argentin 23 is a 23 part per million. But I'm not just talking about silver, colloidal silvers out there in the world. We are talking about the ultimate refinement of silver. Right. So our company has been around almost 25 years. So next year is our 25th year. We are a second generation family owned company still. And when we talk about silver, and I mentioned this very briefly earlier, four P's. Uh, this is why it is so effective. The people that have used a silver before and don't under and it didn't work for them, you're using the wrong kind. And what we do, and this is where we have the science to prove it, and we've looked at it, and we look at our product under transmission electron microscopy, but the four Ps. So it's about purity, particle size, parts per million, and positive charge. So purity, silver should be only two things. It should be very ultra pure water and pure silver. So 99.999% pure silver along with ultra purified USP 24 injectable grade quality water. So it's two things, it's water and it's silver. You can make colloidal silver at home using electrolysis. You can look it up online on how to do it. But in the case of an emergency, I wanna know how to make my own, but I want a trusted company making my silver to be most effective. So not only is it the purest out there, now let's talk about that particle size. The difference between gravel and sand is what we're talking about when we're talking about particle size. So when we're talking about a particle, only the outer surface area is what is effective. So unless you get to a small enough particle size, you're losing your efficacy with bigger particles. So we've got to the point where it's actually 0.80 to 0.85 nanometers are our particles that we're talking about, which is actually about 14 silver atoms bound together which gives it almost 100% surface area. So not only do we have, once we've got the purity that we have, along with that good particle size, now we can talk about parts per million. Lower parts per million can be effective. This is where we talk about the oligodynamic principle where less can be more when it's the correct version. And it's all about the speciation. So that's what we talk about is when we talk about our product and why it's so effective. So the purity, the particle size, the parts per million, and then I also mentioned that last one, that positive charge. Greater than 98% positive charge is what now makes it effective and so antimicrobial. And now think about that speeding up the healing time, decreasing scarring on top of that, and all the beneficial things on a daily basis. We're exposed to people, and I mentioned this last week too, is we talked, about, we talked earlier about hand washing. When, when we get our hands dirty, we wash them. How about washing our nose? We wash our noses. How about a nasal rinse that's got silver in it? When we're around people that are sick, 
So not only do we now have the first aid gel, we've got the natural, the brand new natural first aid, natural healing gel for skincare out there for everyday use in that tube that's easy to use. Now we've got the nasal spray, great to rinse out your nose when you've been exposed. I just got back from a trip and anytime I'm flying, you hear people coughing, sneezing in the airport, yeah. on the plane, you're, you know, curling through the air at hundreds of miles an hour in this big metal tube in recycled air. I use my silver nasal spray. I, I want to kill off anything before it becomes a problem. And this is being the proactive. And now we mentioned the GI health earlier and your immune system. How about the gut health protocol that we do? So we've got a gut health protocol. Think about I would say that not over 90% of the population has leaky gut syndrome, and by healing up the gut, you're going to improve that digestion. So our gut health protocol is an ounce of silver with an ounce of aloe mixed together and done three times a day before each meal on an empty stomach. Oh, I And like then that. a good probiotic at night. I like yeah, that. Yeah, so silver and not only do you get the healing property of aloe, you get the healing property of silver. The aloe helps get the silver through the stomach yeah. and into the intestine to help heal it up. I like that so an a lot. ounce of aloe with an ounce of aloe, ounce of silver, ounce of our silver, that pure, safe, effective. Uh, so sovereign silver with an ounce of aloe mixed together in the mouth, swallow it down 30 to 45 minutes before a meal, three times a day, and then a good probiotic at night. Think about it at night, rest, digest, and heal is what we do at night when we're in that parasympathetic stage. And now repopulate. And remember, silver doesn't affect the gut microbiome, microbe diversity, but let's repopulate with the good stuff. Let's get a bunch of beneficial bacteria back into the GI tract. Maybe you've had a history of antibiotic use. Maybe you've had other GI issues. Let's get good probiotics in there along with healing up the tract that's already there. And within two weeks, you will notice the difference. So doing a two-week protocol is a 16-ounce and a 32-ounce bottle together is, I think, a 16-day uh, protocol there uh, can be beneficial. And then using a great organic aloe juice. Uh, and, and there you go. You can heal up most people. It's where I start anytime I'm working with any individual the first thing I want to know is what's your gut health like? Let's yeah. heal up your gut and you see know, how you feel starting there. It's interesting that when we started down, you know, eating differently, when we started down that path, the next thing we had to do a deep dive into and focused on a lot was digestion. I mean, we talk a lot about digestion. Yeah. I go through the whole thing. It actually starts in your brain. Um, but we always had to work on digestion and it, once you do though, like you said, it's what you're absorbing. And so we had people that say, but, um, a lot of times couples, especially they'd be like, we eat the exact same thing, but only one of us is healing. And I'm like, well, that makes total sense. Right. There's nothing unusual about that. Right. And we know what the problem is. If you're eating that food, we know that food is nutritious. We know it's good for you. More importantly, we've taken away all the stuff that was bad for you. It's not really so much about eating the good stuff. That's pretty simple. It was, we took away all the bad stuff. And if you're not responding, there's a reason. And it's because you're not absorbing the yep. nutrients we need to fix this problem. And that, you know, I, I am I am almost, I'm trying to get over it, but I've almost been anti-supplement. I mean, I was so against 
Right. supplements in the beginning because I didn't see the results. In my life, I had not seen any really, you know, spectacular results from supplements. It seems like people were just spending a lot of money. They'd try something, they'd do it for till they ran out of the first bottle and then they'd never go buy it again because they didn't really see any results. Why would you? Um, but I, I, I realize right. now, well, especially certain problems, digestion was one. You're, you're eating the right stuff. Yeah. We've gotten rid of the bad stuff and you're not healing. Why not? Well, because you're not absorbing the nutrients we need to fix the problem. So how do we fix that? Well, we, right. we sometimes have to load you up with a bunch of supplements to kind of break the log jam, to kind of start fixing stuff. And then, and, and it's going to be digestion we got to fix. Then once you start absorbing nutrients better, then you're going to start healing. Exactly. That's it. And so it's like, I'm a firm believer and I, I, I'm kind of on the same side with you is I don't like supplementation. I'm a firm believer in Hippocrates, the father of modern yes. medicine. Let your food be your medicine, your medicine be your food is, but in the short term, we've had, let's, uh, it, for a general rule, I always heard that for every year that you've been sick, it takes at least a month to repair. I, so I, I like if you've that. got yeah. 40 or if you've got 40 or 50 years worth of eating crappy food, it's going to take you 40 to 50 you months know, to reverse some of that. Damage. One of the best examples so I've had of this huge. is people who have been on PPIs. I had somebody 30 years. They had been yep. taking PPIs. I, it isn't, isn't there all kinds of documentation that those are supposed to be short term? They should be short term. Yeah. Cause 30 years chronically, you're going to just, yeah, 30 years. You're just, you're shutting down your body's natural system and your natural digestion. At, at, and the, so, um, that I think I brought this up well, a previous time that I was on the show that, um, I, I read this, this, um, paper years ago about a nursing home where they were giving everybody Centrum Silver. Oh, we're giving them their multivitamin. They're giving them Centrum Silver. They pumped out the septic system of this nursing home, and they found multiple layers deep of these Centrum Silvers. They were going right through their digestive tract. Unbelievable. You know what happens as we age? We produce less acid. Yes. You know what most, most commercially available supplements that are in a tablet form do you know what's on the outside of them? It's shellac, the same thing that you put on wood to coat <laughs> furniture. Oh, that's awful. Our, if, you're, that's awful. if you're 70 years old and your acid is already not being produced, you can take whatever you want, but if it's covered in shellac, you're not going to absorb it. So now well, this goes back to the supplements, and I'm not a fan of supplements because so many people hear about it, and then they run out to Walmart or Costco, and course. they buy the cheapest, right. biggest bottle they can find. It's, and it's not about you have to take the most expensive, but you have can, to take one that is actually works, that is what it says it is. Can I go back and, and ask you about I, something I, I like the, you just said? Yeah, of course. I want to get your opinion mm -hmm. on this. And, and the way you said it, is it, we know it's absolutely true. As we age, we produce less acid. Is it possible yes. that it's only because our diet is so bad that it, had we been eating a good natural diet our whole life, that that wouldn't happen, that our stomach acid wouldn't get weaker? I would say absolutely. I, I don't have, I haven't researched this to find, you know, facts or any articles to prove this, but I would say definitely if we ate like we should, 
and not eat all the chemical processes, it, all that take all the pharmaceuticals to shut down our body. Our bodies, our bodies want to live. Our bodies want to heal. Our bodies want to survive. Uh, if you give it what it needs, it will work for another long term. I mean, example. we hear stories. Yeah, we hear, yeah, we hear stories about people in other countries that live to be a hundred plus and healthy for a yeah. hundred plus. Yeah. Um, we, I, I want to mention something really quick too. Is um, if you haven't seen this one, Secret Ingredients is, is a documentary that was put out um, about eating real food, eating organic, I real food, non-GMO. Yeah, it's called Secret Ingredients. Um, absolutely amazing. But it took a bunch of people from uh, – there's a person with autism. There's a woman that suddenly got sick after you know decades of health that was athletic. But by being – switching to an organic – whole food diet was able to reverse autistic signs in her kids was able to change her health. And there's many people out there that by simply changing your diet, cutting out the crap, we eat so much crap, so much processed artificial, but giving the body what it needs. You know, Uh, here's another one. Absolutely amazing. Just by changing your diet. They talk Mm -hmm. about with age that as you age, your testosterone level is going to go down. But is that right and normal? It may be common. It's obviously very common, but I don't believe it's normal. And I think I'm a pretty good example. I've I've been eating, you know, just real food for eight or nine years now. And I had my testosterone levels checked. They're they're on par with a healthy 18-year-old. So is it really true that these things deteriorate over time? I don't think it is true. I think we would stay strong and healthy just about right up till the end if we ate right. I completely agree with you. Um, I would say that our testosterone will decline slightly as we age. But if we are eating healthy and getting the foods that we need now, okay, I'm going back to food again. How about what are most insecticides? Do you know the class that they are by any chance? No, I don't actually. They're actually a class called, they're an endocrine disruptor. Ah, okay. <laughs> so what, where the endocrine system is our chemical system, yeah. our hormones in our body. But most of the things used to kill bugs is it disrupts their you, endocrine system. Do you want to get so really controversial with this? Amount, we can, yeah. Let's yeah. What, where did the whole trans movement come from? Why are so many kids confused about their gender? And I don't believe they're faking it, but something has so let, changed I don't believe they're faking it either. Exactly, but let's keep talking about this endocrine right. disruptor and back to our food. We're, and I, I completely agree with you, and I almost knew where you were going with this. So this whole, and I don't want to say that I'm, I'm not anti-transgender. No, I'm, I'm not I'm, anti-anything. I'm, I think adults I'm very should be able accepting to do and loving. whatever they want. Yeah. I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care who exactly. you marry. And I, I mean that. I, it doesn't bother me at all. I, I but, completely agree with you. But yep, something has gotten but way whole, out of whack. <laughs> right. And I'm going to lead it back to our food and it's poor diet. And it's these endocrine disruptors. We're putting all these chemicals on our food from the glyphosate and decreasing the nutrition to endocrine disruptors to kill the bugs. 
that are now having effects on us later in life. How about, uh, this is another thing to talk about. How about most people, let's talk about, we'll talk, go back to carnivore for a minute there. Most people's favorite part of chicken is the chicken breast, right? We all buy chicken yeah. breast and, you know, chicken breast sandwiches. My favorite so part is the skin. raised, oh, the favorite part, there you go. <laughs> that's the fatty, that's the good stuff for you that we've been told not to eat. You want boneless, skinless, right? But a lot of people, the favorite part is the breast. So we've bred chicken hormonally, antibiotically to have larger breasts. What's happening to our population? Women, again, endocrine issues are having earlier menses, having larger breast, earlier breast development, and we're changing our cycles. Yes. We're changing women's cycle. Women aren't the only people with cycle. Men have a cycle. It's not as obvious because we obviously don't ovulate. We don't menstruate every month. But men have a cycle just like women do. And because we also make estrogen and progesterone. Women make testosterone. It's right. all about the balance. And right. by doing all of these endocrine disruptors in our food, we are wrecking our endocrine system. How about we hear more today about thyroid issues? Oh, yeah. More about endocrine disorder. So many things that we hear about that are endocrine related. This all goes back to our food and the pesticides, the herbicides. We're taking the nutrition out, but we're adding all these chemicals that are I'm air quoting now completely yeah. safe, <laughs> but in, wait in a low minute, dose, wait a minute. they're and completely safe. I, I, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I haven't talked about this topic in a while. We might as well throw it in. The first time I read this, I thought this can't possibly be true, but it is. The, the initials G-R-A-S. When I read how that system works, I was shocked. That can't be true. All we need to put something into our food supply is for a couple of scientists to say it's okay. That we, that it's almost like just ask some scientists if they've ever seen problems from this, and if they haven't, then we'll label it as G R A S, generally recognized as safe. That's that's our only criteria for putting chemicals into our food. That's it. How awful. Yep, I think that's ridiculous. I, I thought it was a joke. I yeah, thought it was satire. We... I thought, no, this can't possibly be true. Well, let's, let's go back further and talk about this fear and death administration. I mean, the Federal Drug Administration, <laughs> you know, the, the FDA, the Fear and Death Administration there is they're not about health. They're about money, just like everybody else out there in government and big pharma and everything else that we can talk about is we'll, we'll go there is. I mentioned this earlier, is Big Pharma owns FDA. Yes. Is Big Pharma is all about the money. And Big Pharma the owns, owns the media. The exactly. And now that's you talked about, you know, shutting off the media for a while. I say this. I, I haven't watched the news, I bet, in 25 years. Um, I, I, I don't watch the news because it, the mainstream media is not telling the truth. It's telling no, the story it's, they it's, want. It's a to. narrative. Exactly. It's a narrative. And this is it's, uh, uh, my background's in psychology, too. This is it's called narrative psychology is you talk. It's the story you tell people is who you are. So the story they're feeding us is what they want you to believe. And they just keep feeding us a new story that is that fits the agenda. And this can go all the way back. And we can talk for hours on this. And it goes back to uh, we can go John D. Rockefeller. 
and shutting down the medical schools in the 1920s because he found out he was missing out on money. Big oil led to big pharma and changed the way that we taught doctors. So prior to the 1920s, all doctors were naturopathic doctors. Right. We used like all food was organic. We used, prior to the 1990s, <laughs> 1980s, all food was organic because it was food, right? Exactly. And same thing is, but prior to 1920s and John D. Rockefeller coming in and finding out that we can monetize medicine, not just, it's not about health, it's now about money. And down that road we went. And for the last hundred years, what have we seen? Record profits, big oil controlling things, big pharma controlling things. And then and they it, take all that all money, money and buy the media so they can make their narrative even stronger. And it's incredible. Like I said, when you see this, the a hit piece on something like carnivore or keto or whatever, it, I never find one. Right. I There were 20 of them all of a sudden. It's like it, it, this seems to be very well coordinated as well. Exactly. And they all come out right about the yeah, same time. And right. suddenly there's this big thing or one person reads it and gets the idea and be like, oh, I'm going to write that article, too. And I'm going to write the Maybe article. Maybe that's what it, it is. And suddenly yeah. now you got 20 articles, and, and they, 20 articles saying that carnivore is bad for you. But the thousands of years of people living as more carnivore diet or how about how about the Inuit? How about the Eskimos oh, and the you know Native Alaskans that eat a high carnivore diet and are very healthy, very healthy. Very, very healthy. And they're not dying of heart disease. Right. And they're not dying in fat that's making them sick. And until they had contact with the kind of the rest of the world, they had like zero incidence of cancers and and other things. And, And, you know, there's so many stories of these kind of, you know, indigenous cultures that lasted longer. There's almost completely gone now. Uh, but Weston Price's work on on that was just incredible. Exactly. Um, so I just looked over on my desk and saw the Western Price diet book, <laughs> <on the laughs> nutrition, physical degeneration. Yeah, yeah. I, just before you said that, I was going to bring that up. I'm like, yeah, Weston Price talked about it and the degeneration, and and he was a dentist and looking at teeth. Yep. And we found that cavities went along with modern diets. And, you know, there's so many aspects of this that are just mind How about when McDonald's went into Europe, when McDonald's goes into China, when McDonald's goes into India, suddenly they have a rise in obesity. (laughs) Suddenly they have a rise in Western illnesses. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Is there a court? I can't. I can't prove causation here, but I can definitely prove correlation. You know, the other interesting pattern you can see around that, you know, I I would kind of say Europeans were were kind of, you know, the first group to start eating non-food stuff, kind of. And you look today and, and what happened with the progression of disease and everything. What's worse now is when you see... So the point I'm trying to get to, I'm not explaining it very well so far. With that group, it happens slowly over time. You know, the, the food supply got worse and worse and worse every year, continues to get worse. But what we really see is in these indigenous cultures, when they are now exposed to the food supply, how fast the degeneration happens for them. 
So I think that oh, for exactly, a lot of yeah. us, we kind of missed it because it happened over a long period of time, decades. But now our food supply is yeah. so bad, we take one of these indigenous cultures and we expose them, uh, Australia, the Aborigines were a great example of this. They were exposed to it later when the whole food supply was really corrupted. They go downhill fast, really fast. Yeah, incredibly fast. There's another video, I mentioned uh, secret ingredients. There's another video that I saw, I can't think of the name of it right now, but they studied this and they actually went in to, uh, it was an indigenous culture, and I think it was in like the, the South Pacific there somewhere, and they brought in uh, Americanized foods, and like Coca-Cola was right. there, and how quickly they degenerated and the rate of diabetes went up related to the Western diet. And I wish I could remember the video. I can picture scenes from it, but I can't remember the name of it. And but it was this yeah this Aboriginal culture, and they brought in was Western that, foods, was and that they the magic quickly pill? got sick. It might be the magic pill. That seems. Or like, I'm sure it's been brought up in several videos. Yeah, true, right? But it, yeah, there's yeah. so many. Yeah, but and but it's that goes out to a small population that watch this and be like, wow, that's what's happening. But again, the mainstream media isn't talking about it. It doesn't talk about all these things. It talks about the it's benefits a, of the, our. Wow, plastics. Or what, what? DuPont, better living through chemistry. Oh, yeah. Oh, How about oh. natural living through biochemistry? Yeah, exactly. Natural living through biology, you know, is we need to get back to the basics. And uh, so, I, I've been saying this now for uh, several years is I need to write my book. I just want to call my book Simplify. We just need to go back to the you're right. basics. You're right. And, and eating eating like our ancestors did, working like our ancestors did is, you know, I don't necessarily want to go backwards. And, you know, I, I love modern, you know, conveniences, but also there's so many modern conveniences that are so detrimental well, to our health. Let's think about um, this. Think one. We could jump into EMFs. Yeah. And <laughs> well, you're going to jump into EMFs. I was just going to jump into something as simple as temperature. We constantly yeah. surround ourselves with a nice, comfortable 68 to 70 degrees. And that seems harmless, uh -huh. doesn't it? How, how, come on, it's just temperature. Right. Would that really affect our health? But I did a lot of work on stress, and it turns out those extreme temperatures are really good for us. Yeah. How about we, hydrotherapy? Using yeah. alternating hot and cold water I, to boost your immune system. Hydrotherapy is genius. It's using the body like it's supposed to. You're dilating and constricting vessels to improve and, blood flow. And, and couldn't we and didn't we do that completely natural in nature? There were hot springs. There's plenty of cold water around. We, we experienced all. But exactly. even without the water, we experienced very cold temperatures. I, right now, even here where I live, the the swing has been pretty, uh, and I love this weather. We're down into the 40s sometimes still at night, and we're in the 80s in the day. Nice. That's a night. Just think That's about perfect. that. If you were living outside, you would be exposed to those temperatures, and they do matter. They do affect our physiology and our health in a very good way, and we've taken ourselves away from that completely. 
Right, definitely. And I think we've weakened our immune system. And even back to the antibacterial soaps and all these right. bacteria by killing off all those germs, we're doing the same thing. We're weakening our immune systems by not getting those extremes in temperatures. So the extreme warms and the extreme colds are even from 80 degrees to 40 degrees there. I mean, that's a significant change, but now you are dilating, constricting vessels. And now think about we're living right. in those homes in that perfect temperature all the time. Uh, you know, I spent and most the perfect of perfect humidity all the time. It, yeah. I spent most of the weekend outside because the weather was so nice, 80 degrees, low humidity. I was in the garden. The other thing that I did all day long, I was sweating all day long. Well, now let's talk about sweating for a minute. We just talked about the absorption in <laughs> right. our skin. Sweating is a natural detox. A very powerful It's our detox. body getting rid of the garbage that it doesn't need. This is, again, back to hot and colds. Is This is why saunas can be amazing. So a sauna to sweat out the garbage and then that cold plunge to bring, you know, to constrict all the vessels and improve the the circulation. And, oh, so powerful. And we used to experience those things all the time. And we don't anymore. We, we've sheltered ourselves from any kind of discomfort. Exactly. And we've, we've gotten too comfortable that we've actually weakened our immune system and weakened so many things. So it's uh, just mind-blowing. Again, back to the basics. How, how do we get Let's, back to the basics? Yeah, well, how do we get back to what we're supposed to be talking about today? I want to make sure I've got this right, because I, I don't, you know, I do a lot of work in the beginning on products. You know, I, I go do the research, I look for right. ideas, I talk to people like you and Dr. Wolfson, and um, once we decide this is a product that's got to be in our store, I kind of disconnect from the whole process and I go back to, you know, okay, what am I on to next? So people are always shocked. Right, they, what's next? I yep. tell people, you can ask me anything. Just try it. Now, I may not always have an answer. And if I don't have an answer, I'll just tell you, I don't know. But I can answer a lot of questions. It's what I do. Um, but I tell people, don't ask me specifics about our store or our products because I try not to waste <laughs> any, I try not to waste any brain cells on that because we, I have a team that does that. And we can just go look it up. I want to make sure we're talking about the right product and we're going to have it in our store. So, is this the natural healing yes. gel? The natural healing gel skincare. Got it. Uh, yep. It is in your store. Um, what we are doing is it is on pre order right now. Um, I believe we have it at our facility right now, but it's got to be shipped to you. So I believe on your website, it says um, available for shipping on July 10th. On or uh, we, we actually website. threw in a little qualifier there. On, on or, before, or yep. around, right? Just in case. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to say right now is we have it at our facility and hopefully in the next couple of days, it should be coming to you so that you can ship it out to wherever it needs to go. Yeah, so, this, uh, yes. this looks like um, a really yeah, that's, great that's product. product to talk about. Excellent. All right. Yeah. So no longer do we just have the first aid gel, but now we have the natural healing gel for everyday use. So it's something that you can use every day. Think about that redness. Again, like we talked, razor burn. Oh, bug bites. This stuff on bug bites is amazing. It's like cooling and soothing uh, and then reduces that redness, uh, speeds up the healing time. Uh, I'm just trying to look at some. I just got some notes here so I remembered what to talk about. So the tattoos, the sunburn, waxing, ingrown hairs. Um, as an aftershave, there's a slight astringent effect to silver. 
Oh, so nice. think about the tightening of the skin. Yeah. So that slight astringent that you get after it. Um, so um, I, I I have a bald head. I shave my head all the time. I nick my head. Um, I bump my head on everything. I put this stuff on all the time. Um, but I've started using it right after I shave. It's just put a little bit on my hands and rub it on like an aftershave. You know, and absolutely amazing that I think I, my skin feels amazing. I know what I'm going to use this for. You just mentioned it. it. And I don't know why I have this weird pattern. So we talked, you know, you go speak, I go speak. Uh, It seems like the week before I have some sort of speaking engagement, it's almost a given I'm going to cut my head on something and I'm going to have this big, ugly scab <laughs> on my head. And uh, yep. like, why do I keep yep. doing this? It seems like every time I have to go to an event somewhere, I just cut my head and I have this big, ugly scab up there. When you're bald, it sticks out. I'm going to keep this stuff exactly. in my pocket, you know, the two weeks before I have an event, because it seems like it's it's always going to happen right then. I'm working on, you know, something and bang, you cut your head and it takes a while to heal. So I think that's, uh, that'll be my big use for this. I've got it. I've got it all over my house is like, I've got, I've got one in my bathroom. I've got one in my kitchen for, you know, you nick your finger with a knife or something. It's like, I've got, I do that. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. But I've got one in my truck. I've got one in my office. I got one here on my desk. I got one in my travel work bag. It's like, I've got like <laughs> at least half a dozen of these, but it's everywhere. So as soon as I do something, it's right there. If I get that bug butt, I can put it on right away. Um, the nice thing about the new plastic tube or the new HDPE tube is that it won't break. So you can stick yeah. it in the purse, right. stick it in the fanny pack, stick it in the pocket, take it with you places. And it's so beneficial and it has such a multitude of uses that, you know, we didn't want to stick to just a first aid. We wanted something that people could use on a daily basis. So that that tube now makes it so that you can take it anywhere with you without fear of breakage and uh, take it kayaking with you. Take it, you know, throw it in your backpack when you're going hiking. You know, it's it can go anywhere hey, with you to, you know, maybe cargo shorts, throw it in that pocket. I, I'm going to make a prediction. So it's silver. I don't make many predictions because I hate to be wrong and predictions are just like usually a big guess. I'm going to make a prediction that some point soon, and uh, I'm going to tie this into this gel, um, some point soon, I haven't seen it yet, but we're going to start seeing reports about how many more people are showing up in emergency rooms with injuries from a product that is becoming very, very popular. Electric bikes. Oh, I, I would. Oh, yes. I am electric watching bikes, huh? people fly all over the place on these electric bikes. And I've only ridden one once. My neighbor had one and I jumped on it to try it. And I was kind of blown away by how fast they are and how powerful they are. Yeah. Well, have, um, I, I grew up racing motorcycles from a very young age. So I, I know how much you can injure yourself doing this kind of stuff. And I'm watching little kids ride around on these electric scooters and electric bikes. And I'm thinking the injury rate is about to go way up. Uh, I completely agree. Yep. And now not only that, but how about like, we could talk about electric cars and stuff too, but that the batteries are catching fire. Oh yeah. Places that have, you know, high temperatures. And now uh, my wife is an EMT and works with fire departments. 
the firemen that are coming to the scenes, you know what they do when when these electric cars catch on fire? You just let it burn because they don't. There's you're nothing not going to put it out do. with water. Right. There's yeah. nothing you can do and, once and, it catches fire. And, it's gone. And, and guess what they are going to come up with? They're going to come up with some crazy toxic chemical to put on these fires to put them out. You can just about guarantee it. Exactly. So now we're going to dump more chemicals right. that we're now going to be breathing. Now, now we're going to see an increase in cancer in the firemen that are putting out the fires. And uh, it's, it's just a, it's this ongoing cycle is we need to go back to the basics instead of just keeping going. You know, it's great to move forward and we need progress, but are chemicals the progress that we need? And these electric cars, these electric, oh my gosh, have you ridden in a Tesla? I Ubered once and got picked up by a Tesla. Yeah. And I was just talking to the guy about it. And he's like, yeah, this thing is so fast. And he went like zero to 60 in like three seconds. Oh, the acceleration is and incredible. And I was blown away. Right. It's, it's mind blowing how it, how it can do that. And well, and, so, and we talk about yeah, this I a cannot, lot because electric trucks, you know, could become an issue for us. And um, I, I've talked about the fact that we've been working on in, in trucking, we've been working on diesel engines for about a hundred years, a hundred years of working on what keeps them running, what produces more horsepower and torque. And, and we've almost kind of maxed out the internal combustion engine. After a hundred years, there's not a whole lot more it, it, we make little breakthroughs here and there, but all of a sudden this new propulsion system hits the market electric and look at the, it has huge advantages. There's no doubt. These engines put out incredible right. amounts of horsepower and torque and, and we just started working with them. It's not like we have a hundred years right. of really intensively work. I know electric motors have been around for a long time but we've really just started to focus on putting them into vehicles. So I think they have a lot of potential, but there's huge downsides yeah. right now. The batteries are awful, the mining, the chemicals. Oh, it, you and I, it, no matter what topic we, we bring up, you and I could just keep going, but I looked at the clock and we're coming up on the two hour mark. So <laughs> we, we, we've got to yeah. wrap this up. Um, we'll get you back though. Cause I love talking to you and love having you on the show. So, uh, We'll get you back. It's always a pleasure. And it's so great to talk about some of these topics and at least get this in somebody's mind. Yeah. Of, look it up. You know, that's what my goal. Anytime I talk with you on this is let's reach one person. Let's reach five people, 10 people, whatever. Yeah. That looks something up and then comes back and like, oh, they were right. They weren't lying about this. And it, it, I think it's really about trust. And it is. You said it something is. just a little while ago. And I said it in the past is. I would rather say I don't know than make up some kind of answer. And I really respect it when somebody says, well, I don't know, or I haven't heard of that. Let me look it up. Exactly. And right. so I think it's very important. And so many people have the opinions and they're always, especially well, in today, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, too uh, cliche or anything, but today with all of the social media, people are not taking responsibility for being wrong. They want to be first. And this is the same so, in the news industry. Everybody wants to be the first to report something, the first to you do know, it. I, I am, How about being right? I am so sick of people starting their post with breaking. Come on, give it a, give it a break. Everything isn't breaking news and, and it doesn't need to be. But you're right, that whole, we, we just have right. to be first. We don't even care if we're right. 
Um, you know, you talk about trust yeah. and, and this is a big thing for me. We've been lied to either by accident or now purposefully for decades about almost everything to do with health to the point where nobody trusts anybody anymore. And to build that trust is difficult. I've worked very hard to build that trust by by results. Look, I, you know, I could show you all kinds of papers, but 10 other people could show you all kinds of papers that would prove I'm wrong. It, and they have the yeah. same, you know, they could say it came from Harvard or wherever. And, and who are you, some ex-truck driver? I have proof from Harvard that you're wrong. We can prove anything through studies. To me, studies are almost worthless unless the person reading them is really knowledgeable on how to read them and understands conflicts of right. interest and all kinds of other crazy stuff and exactly. statistics that can be really manipulated. So for me, the only real proof anymore are results and results take a long time to get. And I've been working on this for a lot of years and I think I've built a lot of trust. Just in the last couple of weeks, yeah. I've been kind of attacked from a group, and this happens quite often. And all they're really trying to do is break that trust. So it's not like they want to debate right. about anything other than you're corrupt, you're a fraud, you're a snake oil sale. That, that's all it is. But I take that very seriously because... The people who know right. me know that that's not true. That's easy. But I'm trying to reach new people. Yeah. And when when yeah. you do that, I take that very, very seriously. People are like, oh, just relax. It's the Internet. I get it. And, and one-off comments when people make, I just ignore them. When it becomes a clear pattern of somebody trying to discredit me, then I will fight back. I take it very seriously. Right. It's the political mudslinging campaigns of old. Yeah. You know, it's, that's yeah. what it is. But now it's people. It's the armchair quarterback. It's the armchair doctor that looked at Dr. Google and came up. Oh, there's a study that says this. Well, there's 10 other studies that say this. The study <laughs> that you're quoting, I know, and has. Oh, wait, it was funded by Big Pharma. Exactly. Of course, it's going right. to say that. Oh, it was funded by this company. Of course, it's going to say that. That's buying information. That's buying science. That's, that's and not how, proving something. How many times, because I know you read a lot and, of these studies, how many times do you read the summary and go, wow, that's pretty incredible, until you dig into the data and you're like, who the hell wrote that summary? It, it, it is not what the study shows. It's that Exactly. Blatant. And I know people that, yeah, and I know people that only read the summaries. Exactly. Well, uh, of most course, journalists, that's what I you think, got out of it because you read the, the summary. Right. Right. Or the headline. They just read the headline. Now that's and even so, worse. Oh, yeah, yeah great. But the, that's even worse. Yeah, that the headline is to sensationalize. It's to draw you in. It's it's the clickbait. You know, we can talk about clickbait now with, you know, the, whatever, you know, image that's put up on something or that headline that, you know, whoever said this. Oh, wait, I like that person. What did they say? Well, and suddenly you're on and oh, it has nothing to do with uh, them. Well, we know this is a problem. If you... If you try to retweet an article on Twitter, now that Elon's there, if you yep. try to retweet an article, right. you get a warning that pops up and says, don't you think you should read this before you retweet it? It actually knows that you didn't open the article and read it. 
you're just trying to retweet and it warned oh, you. That is awesome. Isn't that cool? It actually warned you. Don't yeah. you think you should read this before you retweet it? Yeah, I think that's incredible. Because, yeah, how many people just retweet based uh, exactly. on a headline? Right. That might not even be accurate. Yeah. Oh, all right. So wow. we, we, we do yeah. have to wrap this up. Any final words? I mean, I'll just tell people it's in the store. You can go pre-order it. Go pre-order it. You should just have some of this stuff Definitely. around. I, and like I said, I keep it everywhere. It's like I got tubes all over the place is because it's so beneficial, all the multitude of uses. And it's safe, pure, and effective. Um, if you're looking at other silvers, Think about the four P's when you're out there and ask those companies that are making other silvers, is it pure? What is the particle size? What's the parts per million? And what's the positive charge? Is more isn't always better? Check out our website, SovereignSilver.com. We actually have a comparison tool where you can look at other. We've actually bought other companies' silvers and look at it under a microscope to see that it is what it says it is and the shape that it says it is and the quantity that it says it is. And you can see that right there on our website. We are very transparent and very sure that ours is the ultimate refinement of silver and going to be the safest, the purest, and the most effective out there. So go out and grab yourself a tube of this natural healing gel for skincare. Use it on a daily basis. Everything from aftershaving to sunburn to bug bites to razor burn to tattoo healing. Use this stuff. It is amazing. Speeds up healing time by up to a third, decreases scarring, and that the antimicrobial benefits. So many benefits out there. We didn't want it just for first aid anymore. We wanted it for everybody, every day. Love it. Perfect timing. We wrapped up the second hour. And uh, like I said, we'll get you back. There's always plenty we can talk about. Oh, I feel like we could talk all day long. I know. So, Kevin, I know. it's a pleasure talking to you and say hi to Lauren for me. And uh, thank you to Angie, too, for uh, the call screener and uh, everybody on your team. We really appreciate you guys and love working with you. So uh, anytime, let us know. I'll be on and we can talk all day. Will do. Talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. All right. All right. We are going to open phone lines right now. I didn't really open the phone lines in the beginning. We didn't talk about it because I know every time Dr. Griffin and I get together, we could just go on and on and on and on about this stuff. But um, we'll get him back. We'll do more of that. But um, phone lines are now open. It is a health free for all. Um, Lauren is off this week, so I'm flying solo. So I will give everybody a couple of minutes. Let me see if I have any topics I made notes on. I didn't really uh, didn't really work at all over the weekend. Didn't turn my phone on. Didn't get online. Didn't watch the news. Kind of just enjoyed the weekend. So uh, I really don't have a topic in mind today. So if you want to jump in, better do it quick. 855 9503835. We are going to do a Twitter space today. I don't really have a topic for it either. So um, we'll just kind of throw it out there and see if there are any questions. And if there aren't any questions, I might just get to work because after having four days off, I need to catch up on some stuff and it's a short week. So I'll stay here. I'll answer your questions or take your calls. But uh, they don't come in here in the next couple of minutes. We're just going to wrap this up. We are going to do the Twitter space at, I'm just going to do it at 1115, no matter what, just to keep things consistent. 
you know, the Wednesday shows with Lauren, and we've had a lot of guests lately, they've all been three-hour shows. We go right to 11, and then we quit and go right straight over to Twitter. But uh, calls are a little light today, so we may just wrap this up early. We'll still come back at 11.15 on Twitter. So uh, I'll give you just a couple more minutes. Calls aren't coming in. 855-950-3835. Let me look through. Oh, I know. We haven't talked about this in a while. You know, I've got the, the video out there on making your own mayonnaise. So we don't talk about it a lot because Primal Kitchen makes a really good mayonnaise with the exact same ingredients we would use if we make it at home. And I have to admit, I don't make my own mayonnaise very often anymore because convenience. And I know that those ingredients are the same thing I'm using. So occasionally we ran out one time, which is unusual, and I made some real quick. But I was um, I was just looking through recipes. I was working on recipes the other day. I forgot all about this one. The first time I saw this was actually on um, Maria Emmerich's site. And she makes mayo um, from butter as the fat, all butter. She uses a cup of melted butter, um, one large egg, some lemon juice, some Dijon mustard, a little bit of beef broth or water if you want to thin it out when you're done because it can get pretty thick with the butter. But you make mayonnaise from those ingredients and pure butter. Butter mayonnaise. I got I to gotta start making this again. This would be really good. Put a little bit of this on top of a steak or a burger or just about anything. Dip stuff in it. Butter mayonnaise. Yeah. All right. Calls are coming in. Let's go to Indiana to get started. Stan, welcome to the program. Hi there. What's on your mind today? Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I'm soon to be 60. I'm a chronic kidney stone sufferer. 33 years. I've passed stones naturally. A year ago, I passed one, uh, one centimeter in size. And I had a chance to, for a urologist to go in and put a stent in years ago. And, and I just was fearful about it. I just have skepticism about being cut open because when I was 27, I had one that almost killed me. I was in the hospital for a month. I ended up uh, coming out of there weighing about 145 pounds. I'm six foot three. But anyway, to make a long story short, I've read I've read manuals. I've looked on the internet. Uh, my urologist, when I was first diagnosed, said, "Do you like drinking beer?" "Yeah, yeah, I love beer." Uh, Stay away from all calcium, no milk products, nothing like that, no ice cream. Fast forward to maybe 12 years ago, I have a a new urologist, and he says that's all nonsense. In my mind, I just feel it's a metabolic issue because of the the changing times and the nutrition and the food we eat and and the the lack of exercise on and on and and the onset of so many so many people you see getting these things more and more so i just kind of wanted to pick your brain and see what you think about it the last doctor i did see other neurologist was a naturopath and she showed me a book that said kidney stones are swallowed bits of aggression oh bullshit so i mean that kind of resonates that kind of resonates me somewhat And that's the naturopath, unfortunately. And look, I'm not saying that she isn't on to something. Stress. When she says, you know, 
bites of aggression. Yes, we could relate this back to stress and hormones, and it does have an impact. Right. But when when somebody says that, it makes it sounds like that's what we should focus on to fix this. And I'll tell you, that's the wrong path to go down. It's shocking to me how all of these people that you've dealt with that have huge amounts of education haven't figured this out because it's not complicated. There's two reasons we're seeing a lot of these stones form in people. And kidney stones, gall stones, um, calcification of arteries, heart calcification, they're all the same issue and they're not complicated. And it's not the calcium that's the problem, although people eating lots of low-fat dairy are having problems. They, they should stop that. If you're going to eat dairy, it should be the best form possible. Dairy, again, is not really a human food. It's not a hunter-gatherer food. We did not chase down animals and pull on their tits to get milk. So dairy is kind of a weird category. Some of us see that there can be health benefits to dairy if it's consumed properly and the, the form is right and the animal is raised right. Or you could, as a human being, skip dairy completely and be very healthy. It's not a requirement. We, we like it because... It's good. I mean, we get butter as dairy. I don't want to live without butter. I love butter. But we could live without dairy. It's not a real human food. And and the quality of the dairy and the low fat and the homogenizing and pasteurizing and all of those things have made dairy worse. So dairy can contribute to this problem, but it's not the root cause. Stress can contribute to the problem. It's not the root cause. We always, always have to keep digging. The root cause of all these stones is mineral imbalance. That's it. It's really simple. We need certain minerals. We call them cofactors to make calcium work properly in our body. And calcium is a huge part of our body. Most people don't realize the body does this all the time and it, it has a mechanism. It can pull calcium out of your bones to use in other places. And it can store calcium in your bones. It can move calcium into your bloodstream. It can move it into other organs. The minerals are the cofactors required to make the calcium do what it is supposed to do. When it starts doing all kinds of stuff it's not supposed to do, like calcifying our arteries and forming stones, then the simple answer is, oh, well, stop eating calcium. No, that's a really bad idea. And it doesn't work anyway. You'll still end up with these stones. That's the biggest issue is the mineral imbalance. The secondary issue, which is also a root cause, is oxalates in our diet and oxalate dumping when we try to quit oxalates. This is a complicated, the first one, the mineral balance is really simple. The second issue, the oxalates, it, a little more complicated. And we learned this from Sally K. Norton. We've, our body has been storing oxalates our whole life because we have way too many of them in our diet. It's not a natural diet. We get way too many oxalates in the standard American diet. They build up for years and decades. And then if we quit cold turkey, our body starts oxalate dumping and moving it around. And we see all kinds of problems. What we found 
is you should have about 200 to 250 milligrams of oxalates a day that will stop your body from oxalate dumping and over time we'll be able to start to minimize these stores of oxalates. So between a mineral imbalance and too many oxalates stored in the body, that's where the stones are coming from. It's why we supplement minerals because no matter how hard I try, and I'm pretty strict and I grow a lot of my own food, my meat is all the best source, I still can't control this completely. So if I can't get enough minerals in the way I eat, then the odds of anybody else getting the right mineral balance are almost zero. It's why we supplement minerals every day and why we have multiple mineral supplements we use. We have Light Balance, we've got Actimag, we've got Calm. They're, they're all mineral supplements that we use for different purposes, but once we get minerals right, stones go away. That's the whole issue right there. Well, I stopped drinking milk when I left. When I left the farm, we had <clears throat> we had organic vegetables and you know good good beef and pork and but I stopped drinking milk just because I didn't like it anymore. Correct. We had and that was a smart dairy. thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but after that, I you know I stopped. You know, I thought about well, I kind of cheated on the ice cream, but I've never been a fan of yogurt, so I'm just wondering. Should I start taking calcium supplements? No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely. You did not hear me say take calcium. You heard me say take minerals. Other, we have plenty of calcium. Calcium's all over the place. There's lots of food. Dairy isn't even our best source of calcium. It's just the best known. It's no different than everybody thinks if you've got a, oh shoot, now I forget, potassium uh, deficiency. Oh, eat some bananas. Okay, bananas have some potassium, but avocados have about three times more. Nobody ever says eat an avocado. Um, If you really wanted a ton of calcium, eat dark leafy greens, but you're going to get a ton of oxalates with it, and it's going to be a problem. So again, let me say this. Human beings can be completely healthy with zero dairy. Dairy is not a required food for us. I eat dairy because I enjoy it, but you've got to watch the the quality and the quantity. And so the easy answer is, is no, don't supplement calcium. And if you don't like dairy, just, just skip it completely. It's not, it's not a requirement. We don't have to eat any dairy whatsoever. Oh, cheese. No, I'm not saying I don't like it. I, I eat quite a bit of dairy. I do eat cheese and ice cream and, now, most of the yeah. time I make my own ice cream and I tend to use coconut milk. I actually like it better. Um, or A2 dairy. It, uh, and honestly, if you're going to eat dairy, I would switch to A2. A2 is so much better for us than A1. Doesn't have nearly as many problems. But again, we only have dairy in our diet if we choose to because we like it. it, it we do not need it to be healthy. I just want people to realize that. We don't need to supplement and shouldn't supplement calcium. The only, and I'd have to go look, there may be some supplements in our store that have calcium in there, but it's not the purpose. I don't ever recommend supplementing calcium. It's too easy to get in our diet. 
and many people just have too much of it. The problem is they don't have the proper mineral cofactors, and then the more calcium they have, the more problems it's going to create. So calcium supplements actually cause many of these problems because as soon as there's some sort of calcium issue, doctors immediately start supplementing calcium. It's a, it's a mistake. These doctors, my sister has the same problem. She just had stones in the past few years. She's 73, and her doctor just gives her a big sheet of all the foods and oxalates to avoid. So she's got it in her head that she can't have anything with oxalates whatsoever. And, and that so, can actually make the problem worse. Like I said, if you go to zero on oxalates, the yeah, problem gets worse. More about balance than anything, I think, right? It, it's, yeah, it's, some things are balanced. We have to be careful with that word because a lot of people say, oh, well, you should eat a balanced diet and everything in moderation. Uh, bullshit. No, there's most of the food in our <laughs> system you should never eat, ever. There is no moderate amount of soda that's good for you. None. Zero. That most of our food that. supply is that way now. No amount of the most of our processed food, no amount of that adds to your health. Not a little bit, not a lot. It is a negative. The, the vast majority of our food supply is bad for us. Well, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. So you just need to get a good electrolyte mineral supplement and the stone issue will go away as long as you're eating a good clean diet and move back to the farm moving back to the farm <laughs> I, I i agree I, you know i talk about my garden and and i know it's just a garden but it's big enough that i can spend eight hours ten hours out there there's always something to do and the more i do it the more I think this is probably one of, definitely one of the healthiest activities you could take on. It's, you know, even sports, when, when we get involved with sports, those are good. They're, they tend to be very short duration, high intensity. I mean, that's what sports are. And, that, and that, that can be good for us. But we were healthy as hunter-gatherers, not because of some extreme sport, we were healthy just because that lifestyle keeps you moving in in a nice, gentle way most of the time. And then you have little bursts of energy. You know, I might pick up rocks and move them around and build a rock wall, or I might move dirt, which is heavy, or might shovel something and get my heart rate up. But if I'm out there for eight hours, 90% of that time is very, very light, moderate movement. But that really mimics how we lived as hunter-gatherers. We didn't walk around killing ourselves all day long with activity. That would, we did the opposite. In fact, you know, I, I keep going back to the show alone. These are so many good lessons there, and we can watch it happen. They are fully aware of not burning unnecessary energy. You know, we, we, we just think energy is, is unlimited because our food supply is unlimited. But they understand if you have to go live in nature as a hunter-gatherer, your food supply is not limited at all. It's the single biggest issue you need to figure out to keep yourself alive. You just have to find enough food. The, but they're smart enough to, to know you can't exert more energy getting the food than the food gives you. 
Just find a muskox is what you need. Exactly. Forget that fellow's name. The, yeah, the he one. He had it all together. The one guy figured out, and he ended up winning. When it got to be winter time, yeah. he realized no matter what I try to do to get food right now, I will burn more calories than I'm going to gain from the food. He realized that. So what he did, he laid in his tent the last week so that he wasn't burnt. He said, I'm just going to starve from now on. I'm fasting. I'm not going to go look for food, but I'm also not going to be active. I'm just going to sit here and wait it out. And he won. Yeah. Amazing. So find yourself a good mineral supplement. Light balance is is my go-to. We've got the the um, powdered light balance now, so it's even more convenient. That seems to do it for about ninety percent of the people. There's a there's a ten percent where we've got to go a little beyond that and use something like Actimag or something else. But most of the time, light balance is all we need to solve this problem. It's really that simple. Have you have you got any? break on the shipping up to candy yet or is it still fairly it's expensive? pretty pretty much the same i don't think it's really changed much i think yeah. i th- no you know what right. i think we d- now this might be a bad thing um we did within the last year or so really start moving a lot of stuff to ups and i think that helped us with the canadian rates now i, I i'm gonna start looking at this this afternoon We've got to figure out what our option's going to be because I want to get out of the UPS system right now. It looks like they very well could strike. I'll just I'll just have it shipped to my other home and cross the border in Port Huron. There you go. There you go. Yeah, try light balance. Real simple. It's easy to put in your coffee. You could just drink it if you don't want to put it in anything. You just swallow it. I mean, it's just like salty water is all it tastes like. Well, I appreciate your thoughts, Kevin. I've been listening to you for a long time. I was disappointed to hear you going off the radio, but I found you again, so you I know, appreciate we, it very much. Well, thank you for looking for us and finding us. We actually love this new format. You know, we, we lost a lot of revenue. We lost a lot of reach. We'll work on that. Um, but as far as my day and the format of the show, I love this. You know, no commercials. When I feel like quitting... Um, it just seems to be much, and with our app, you can listen to any of our shows forever. So, uh, it it was, it was a blow. There's no doubt. It was, uh, it was a little rough for a while, but I I think we're going to be okay. I just followed you on Twitter. I'm not very Twitter savvy. I sent you a couple messages, but I'll try to check you out there on these spaces. Yeah. When time permits. Yeah, the, the, the sp- and like I said, you can listen on the app right now. You don't even have to be on Twitter to listen to the space. But uh, it's, a different, it's a different format, and it's starting to really grow in a way that I like. We're getting a lot more participation now. In the beginning, people treated it like this show. I would come on and talk and wait for somebody to either ask a question and that it started to sound like the show. Somebody would ask a question, I'd answer them. Somebody, I, that's not what I want. I do enough of that every day on this show. Now it's starting to get where I'm just kind of almost like the moderator and we get other people jumping in with opinions and topics. And so it, it, that's right. two, two reasons we're using Twitter. And I know I still get a lot of feedback. People are upset for some reason, but one 
we have got to reach a new audience. You, you can't run a business like ours without a lot of new people coming in. It, it's just the reality of it. I love our core tribe, but you have to understand in business, your core tribe, if you don't grow it, actively grow it, will always shrink. People retire, they get out of the business, they lose interest for whatever reason. It just happens and you've got to grow it. And that was our biggest advantage on Sirius. We were very lazy marketers. We, we could be because being on Sirius brought us all the new people we ever needed. We didn't even have to work at it. Now we've got to work at it. I've got to find new ears to, to hear this stuff. Uh, so Twitter is our best bet. I, all the other social media platforms are still being censored. So, and Twitter spaces, it's not perfect. Their technology needs a little work, but it's pretty darn good for what it is. And it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's another format and we're going to continue doing it. Yep. It's always nice to have more than one iron in the fire. There you go. Thanks for the call, Stan. Have a great afternoon. We're going to move on to Florida. Pat, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. This is Pat in Florida. Uh, kidney stones and uh, berberine, I think they help to uh, stop the formation in the uh, smaller urinary tracts down there by the kidneys. What's that? Say that again. I say berberine oh, is yes. uh, useful yeah. in helping you know, to stop the uh, the kidneys formation of the calcium oxalates. That's 80% of the uh, kidney stones. There are other types of stones right. uh, not caused by the calcium. Right. And then remember that other word is in there, calcium oxalate. That's Right. Yes. And we can control oxalates in our diet, which is a part of this. I forgot all about berberine. You know, the crazy thing about berberine, it's almost one of those that you have to be careful how you talk about it. It almost seems too good to be true. There, there's all these conditions. Yeah, it does that it, I know. It, there's all these conditions that it seems to improve. And and honestly, I hesitate talking about it too much. I But you're right. I forgot about this benefit of it. And I don't even remember the mechanism on how it does it. But I, I do remember this. I don't take berberine every day. I tested it and um, I, I believe the results. Um, nobody should be taking metformin. I don't care if you're a type two diabetic under a doctor's care. They should replace metformin with berberine, really. Um, but they're not going to. Uh, but I, I forgot about some of those other you know, benefits of berberine. It's one of those things that almost seems too good to be true. And under uh, under berberine, Dr. Wilson has other other suggestions in addition to that with regards to uh, kidney stones. I think he talks about magnesium citrate and some other things I, that help to uh, stop the growth of it. Well, and that's what we're that's when I say mineral cofactors, magnesium is a big one. Potassium is another. We we need to get the right mineral cofactors to make calcium do what it is supposed to do. And Dr. Wilson would be right. very familiar with this because of one of our big heart issues is calcification. So it, this would be a, a, mm -hmm. a really big area for him that he would understand. But it, kidney stones, gallstones, um, oxalate causing joint pain that we think is gout and it's not gout. It's an oxalate issue. So 
it, it, when, when Dr. Wilson talks about specific forms of magnesium, he's talking about the same thing I'm talking about, those mineral cofactors that we need. Right. And then switching gears on your topic of uh, berberine does so many things. Same thing with the uh, glycine. I know you had a guy call up a month or so ago talking about all the benefits of uh, what he was seeing recently for glycine. But I, I'm currently using glycine to do a, uh, a glyphosate cleanse because I think from Merkula, I learned that uh, glycine maybe has one or two more molecules it doesn't need. And it ends up binding with the glyphosate in the body and you end up pissing it out. You know, this it takes a while and you don't use too much. This is an area I need to go do some reading. Maybe I'll actually call um, Dr. Wolfson and go over some of this. But glycine is not a, a nutrient. It's actually an amino acid. I know what it is, but it's not something I've ever really focused on or studying. But I, I think I need to go do some reading on this. Yeah, it's another uh, amino acid, I guess, that uh, has numerous beneficial aspects um, so many so that you, you know, you think, well, it really does that too. Um, but for me, I'm using it just to get rid of glyphosate because my mother used to have a beautiful, beautiful, uh, green grass lawn and I would end up mowing it, but she would always come back and coat it with that glyphosate, the roundup. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure, uh, I have some exposure, some exposure to it and I'd rather just try and get some accumulation of that stuff out of me. No, that's a good idea. Anyway, that's it for me, berberine and, gly and glycine. Excellent. Good stuff. Thanks for the call. Let's yes, sir. see. We are going to, uh, we've got lines open. So if you want to jump in, when the calls run out today, I'm going to quit. So we've got about 30 minutes left. Uh, let's go to Kansas. Bob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I've been having this ongoing thing. I, I've looked it up several times and it's called the, uh, Alopecia barbeo. Yep. Barbe. Barbe. Anyways, and I was just wondering if with the, and they say it's like an immune response, an inappropriate immune response where it's attacking your hair follicles. It's just on my beard. And I was just curious uh, would the silver help this out? Or I don't know. I was just listening it's to you and the doctor talk about it. And one of the things was an immune response. It's possible, it, it's possible that it could, but it's also possible that it won't do anything. And, and the reason I can say that is because there are multiple causes of alopecia. So we have to go figure out what the root cause of your alopecia is and then work on that. And silver could be a part of that. This is a skin kind of hair follicle issue. Um, disrupted bacteria, disrupted skin bacteria can affect this. So silver would help with that. Um, there are really lots of things though. If I, if I were working with somebody directly on this and we're trying to solve it, we've got to go through the whole list. First off is diet. How clean would you say your diet is? That's him. I'm pretty clean. I mean, I, I, I source my cows locally. In the last five years, I've probably gotten five local cows for my for myself and my family. And so stuff. that that probably uh, tells me two things that are good. One, you're eating well-raised animals. Two, you're probably getting plenty of protein. A lack of protein can actually be a cause of this. Vegans and vegetarians suffer from this a lot more simply because they're just not getting enough good protein. They'll look at their vegetables and go, oh, no, look, I eat all these high-protein vegetables. That protein's not the same. 
It's not complete. Our body doesn't absorb it well. So protein can be an issue. I don't think that's your issue, but we got to go through this long list of things. There can be some um, nutritional deficiencies, no matter how good your diet is. Are you supplementing zinc or are you eating any high zinc foods? Uh, not supplementing zinc, but I would, uh, I don't know. How would you, how else would you be getting zinc or where would I be getting, where would I get zinc from, from seafood? I do a little bit of seafood. Well, when I you say try a to little do seafood bit, tell once me a week. how, oh, once a week. Okay. Um, and I would say I do a little bit of liver about once a week too. just, I'll try, well, I should say once every two weeks, I can't stand to say stuff. I've been thinking about trying to do the freezer, chopping it up and freezing it, just take a little bit at a time. You know, one but of the best... I don't do enough liver, probably. You know what the best... Liver's not that... I don't know that liver's even on the list for zinc. Liver has a lot of stuff, but zinc isn't one of them. Uh, one of your best options for really good absorbable zinc, oysters. Probably my top oysters. food for okay. zinc, oysters. Very, very absorbable form of zinc. If you eat oysters once a week, you won't have a zinc issue. I mean, I can say that. Just eat oysters once okay. a week, you'll be fine. Um, cashews are actually pretty high for a, for a plant-based food, cashews. If we're, if we're talking about meat, this is one of the areas where beef isn't king. Chicken has more zinc. Chicken and eggs have more zinc. Um, beef. Okay. Well, I love oysters. I, I can do oysters. Oh, it, it just make make an effort to get oysters once a week. And they, you know, I like my oysters raw. I mean, that is my favorite way, but they don't have to be. You know, if you're worried in the summertime about raw oysters and, and they there can be problems with oysters if you're not careful, raw. Um, my second favorite way to eat oysters, sometimes actually is my first. It's really, really good. Grill them. Just put the oyster right on the grill. Don't do anything to it. You don't shuck it. You don't do anything to it. You just put it on the grill. It'll open on itself. The oyster absorbs smoke really well, and grilled oysters are just incredible. Okay, I'm doing that. I, that sounds awesome. I, I've had I've made the Rockefeller oyster, you know. And oh, yeah. I, I love that's fun, too. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, grilled grilled oysters are amazing. Um, actually this weekend we did a big seafood boil where we did train crab legs and oh, nice. lob, you know, snow crab, yeah. uh, shrimp, everything in there. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So the other thing uh, we we've got to look at, um, are you using any of any, uh, pharmaceuticals? Are you on anything? No, Good. nothing. Good. No, there are, no there are plenty of pharmaceuticals that this is actually a side effect that nobody ever talks about. Uh, do you have any red light devices? Red light sauna? Red I do light. Not. Okay. I would get one. And I'll tell you which one I would get. Uh, we don't sell it in our store. I mean, if you wanted to get the blanket, the blanket could help, but you'd actually have to stick your head in there sometimes. That's not really set up for that well. The, what I always call my happy light, from sauna space. I've I, looked at them. I've really thought about getting one. The, the happy light has the best spectrum. So that's why I would use it. There are devices 
like hats that you can put on your head that are red light therapy. Um, I still prefer the happy light, even though it's not, you know, designed to go on your head. You can just lay down and shine it at your head. It's better than any of the other devices I've seen on the market, even the hats that are designed specifically for this. But red light therapy can work really well. Uh, the other thing we have to look at. One, one thing about it, Kevin, oh, is uh, I, I get lots of sun and stuff, and I just recently shaved, you know, I had, a, I had grown my beard back, and I had, was looking at it this weekend, actually, and I decided to shave my beard back off because it was getting so splotchy. And when I shaved it off, the skin is a little bit different color than what the rest of it is. And I, I get lots of sunlight and stuff, or I mean, I go out in the sun, I you know, try to get as much sun as I can. And I noticed that the skin is a lot different color. Maybe I was wondering if I shaved it off and I got more sun on that area, would, it, well, would that help it? I mean, yes. maybe, like you said, maybe it's the, the red light is what I need. The, the sun is our ultimate source of red light therapy. Yeah, so if you can get out and get good, now you also want to get it at different times of the day. We get different rays in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. And remember, as hunter-gatherers, we got them all. We have to remember that. We, we just, the, the light is a great add-on So when you can't get sun. But if you can get outside and get in more sun, then it is going to help this. Now, the other thing we have to move on to, um, personal care products. What kind of stuff are you using? What kind of soap are you using? I use, uh, it's called Dr. Squatch. Oh, yeah. I switched to that yep. about a year ago, and it's a pretty natural uh, soap. And I, I use a shampoo that my wife that uses, stop and it. it's just a all-natural. Okay. Just stop using shampoo. Okay. It really, you know, women always made fun of men because women have 32 different hair care products and men use a bar of soap on their hair. A lot of men do. I always did. Uh, I stopped using shampoo about okay. 30 years ago, I think. Um, that was long before I even got into all of this health stuff. Um, just to, if, if you've got a good natural, I like goat's milk soaps, um, none of the junk in them. It, once you've got a good soap that you like, if you're going to use something on your hair, just use that. Skip all the pre-rinses, the shampoos, the conditioners, the, uh, skip all that crap. Just wash it with, you might even be surprised how well, if you can do it for a week or two and get through it, how well just using hot water on your hair can work. No soap at all. Uh -oh. Cold showers. I don't ever take... It you don't ever take hot showers? Not my usual. I, I've gotten See. where I don't even like hot showers. I, it's kind of crazy, but I, I really enjoy cold showers. See, I like hot showers because with the long enough hot shower, I don't have to use soap. Or I said I use it very, very sparingly. I've never noticed. I, I just like the fact that, and it doesn't have to be screaming hot. It's just got to be warmer than your body temperature, a couple degrees, and that will kind of dissolve some of the oils and the dirt and get everything out without stripping your skin. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, let me think what else I haven't covered here. Uh, oh, here's another one. This is a big one. 
And I believe this is one of the reasons we're seeing more of this recently. Stress. Stress okay. is a big one. And everybody will say, oh, I'm not stressed. Yes, you are. We all are. I want people to stop saying they're stressed. I don't care if you are the most chill person around. You're stressed. The, our, our lifestyle creates stress. All the chemicals around us create stress. Our food supply creates stress. Our air, our water, almost everything is creating stress in our body. It's not just that fight or flight response I'm talking about anymore. Almost everything about our life disrupts our, uh, Dr. Griffin was talking about it, our endocrine system, our hormonal system, which is so powerful, is constantly being disrupted. Then on top of that, of all those other factors, that true fight or flight stress response is still rampant in our world today. It just, it just doesn't match, our lifestyle doesn't match our system. Our fight or flight response was designed for truly life-threatening situations. We don't have many of those anymore. What we have are a bunch of things that aren't life-threatening at all, but they trigger our stress response. And that's, that's another big factor here. And that one is hard to measure, and people will swear they're not stressed. Well, everything I looked up about this says that stress is like the number one like maybe yes. not what causes it, but what makes it, makes it in worse. and right. make it such a problem. Here, here's one thing I can see so a pattern I... over and over and over and over. People are wired and tired. They're just barely getting by every day. And then they have a major life event. A loved one dies, a divorce, they lose their job. Then the hair loss becomes rampant all of a sudden. And so do several other, you know, health issues. They go downhill really fast after one of these traumatic life events. It's like their body was just barely holding on. And that's all it took was that one event to push them right over the edge. Well, my best friend died uh, it, just about two I, months ago. I can't tell you how common that story is that people start to suffer health issues. And I go back and ask, and sure enough, there's been a recent trauma, um, some sort of stressful trauma. You've got to work to overcome this. It will get worse. And diet alone will not fix this. I've worked with lots of people who eat a very clean diet. And once that so I've also tested this myself. This was going to be my topic today, actually, on the show. And then I forgot I had a guest this week. I, I was going to talk about the fact that in all this stress testing that I've done, there is one clear pattern I can find. And that is, if you allow this to go too far, this stress, and I've pushed myself to that limit sometimes. It's a couple of times I've done it on purpose to test it. But I, I, I went back, I've been going back over my notes for the last two years, I've been experimenting with things. You can get yourself to a point where it is really, really tough to get out of this. I, I'm there right now. And I did this one kind of sort of on purpose. I drove my HRV back down into the 30s again. And I, if I don't really focus on doing a lot of things right, I will be stuck here. I could try a lot of things, and if I don't do them right, I can actually make it worse. My stress protocol, when you get to this point, my stress protocol can actually make this worse. 
that when you get here, it takes a, a really specific balance of total rest and getting away from stress, like I just did for the last four days, although I didn't because I went out in the garden and worked so hard, I actually overstressed my body that way again. This is a really bad place to be. And, and you, it takes a lot of work to get out of this. It, it requires mindfulness and balance and meditation and getting away from the stress and then adding in the stress protocols in very small doses until we build a base back again. And, and when I find people that are at this stress level, it's really, I, I swear the only way I think I can fix them sometime is, is I, I'm going to have to feed you everything and I'm going to have to make sure you do this every day. Because if you don't, you can get stuck in this place for a long time. So what do I, what, I mean, how do I go about this then if I. So really clean diet. We have to start there. Eliminate anything that could cause stress, which is almost everything except the animal products. And those better be good quality. So as heavy carnivores, we can go. That always helps this. But that's only a small part. The, the stress protocol, but you've got to balance that with rest. This is the hardest part. People go, I, I just can't get away from the stress long enough. Their job, their, their living situation, their spouse, their kids, whatever, causes stress and they can't get away from it. And if we can't get away from it long enough, we won't be able to solve this. The stress protocol at that point could actually make things worse. Now, what you can do, um, and I've been able to do it, I've, I can't do it without devices like the Garmin watch. I have got to monitor my HRV and my body battery religiously. And I've got to get up each day if I wanted to solve this and look at my stats and say, okay, I'm taking today off. I'm not going to stress about things today. I'm going to meditate a couple times. I'm going to take a nap this afternoon. I'm going to do things I really enjoy. Then once I get a, enough rest, then I can go do the stress protocol. But I, I need to be careful. Don't do it too hard because you'll wipe out what you just accomplished with the rest. This is tough, though. But people today don't have time to get away from stress and do the stress protocol. But if you don't, I haven't found any other way to fix this. I just, I, I had gotten so good at taking showers and I've been doing the breathing, you know, and working on trying to do those things. And I'm afraid if once I doing them, it's going to be hard to get back to it, doing it. It, it, I mean, it will I've, be, but you got to, so try this instead. Try instead of, if your routine was every day you're doing the shower and the breathing and one other thing, just try to go to one, one of those every other day. So skipping one day really won't interrupt your, your discipline or your pattern. It's when we skip multiple days or a week, then it's harder to get back into. So I'm not saying quit it completely, but maybe just pick on, on Monday, maybe do the shower. On two, or Wednesday, maybe do the breathing. On Friday, maybe do a little resistance training. Um, on Sunday may, or, or maybe you could skip two days in between, but what I'm finding is we've got, we really do for a lot of people, when you get to this point, you've got to find the balance between 
completely avoiding stress, trying to get it out of your life and working on the stress protocol, but you've got to do it right. And you can't overdo it. As humans, we almost always tend to overdo things. Okay. So the good news for a lot of people is I'm telling you, you can do the stress protocol less and it might help more. Okay. I'm going to work on it. Okay. Call me back. Let me know how it goes. All right. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. We're out of calls. We've only got about 10 minutes left till 11 anyway. So um, I'm going to wrap this up. We will be back in, oh, about uh, 25 minutes. Yeah, roughly. Um, So we'll see you then. Uh, If you want to listen on the app, you should be able to just listen live on the app. If you want to come over and join us, and participate as a speaker. You'll have to be on Twitter to do that. So we will see you on Spaces in just a little bit. Uh, It might be quick today. We'll see. Uh, It's just me, and I'm not going to talk for long because I don't have much to talk about today. I want participation. So if we don't get it, we just might end it quick. We'll see what happens. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.